0: This is the Criterion Creeps Podcast. I'm Jarrett Duncan. RJ Baemog. And we're just two guys who have no other choice now but to creep our way through the Criterion Collection one spine number at a time in order of release. This week we're taking pool cues and knives to those damn dirty hippies as we watch spine number ninety nine of the Criterion Collection, Gimme Shelter from nineteen seventy, directed by the Missales brothers and Charlotte Zwerin. But first, RJ. How's it Mm. going? You prepared for this foot of snow we're getting in the next like couple
1: hours? A foot? Is it? We got uh, a foot, like 12 to 13 inches a couple days ago. This new one, Jared, is estimated at 30 to 50 centimeters, which is like almost two feet. Uh, your There's math. gonna be a lot of snow. 30,
0: 30, that's about a. It's a little bit over a foot. So. 50 centimeters. No, 35.
1: That's what. That's what I had. Oh, read. I saw 30 to 50 centimeters. Oh, wow. Let's so, let. us let us hope that's not happening. <laughs> yeah. Are you uh, are you gonna be able to go to work tomorrow if it snows that much? We'll wait until th- we'll see if the
0: call comes in. I you know my uh, my university that I work at uh, mm-hmm. they tend not to uh, do anything uh, to like think about the safety of the students or employees. So nice. uh, we'll see we'll see how it nice. plays out. Um, yeah. Anyway, how's it going? Hmm. Good. Hey, uh, did you watch that Super Bowl? Nope. Why not? Um, I don't know. What
1: What did you do instead of watching? <laughs> I watched uh, Jim Brown movies. Downtown, Jimmy Brown would have been watching the Super Bowl. No, that's like the best. That's better. Like watching
0: like a, a a football player do like cool shit, like throwing grappling hooks, throwing like prison guards into like cement truck mixers. Um, like OJ, uh, killing uh Mexicans. It's it's, mm. it's so rad. Um, way, way cooler than uh, your, your
1: predetermined sports. Predetermined sports, eh? hmm mm, I don't know if the NFL's there yet, but uh, oh, they, uh, they're, they're long, long past, long long past, past that. Yeah, There are certain teams that uh, do have the refs in their pocket, <laughs> but uh, it didn't save them this weekend, Yeah, even though the New England Patriots uh, pay off the refs and the commission and everyone because they're uh, deflated you know, balls. The, yeah, they're deflated balls. That, they're cheaters, Jarrett. But yeah. they're national treasures, so people
0: are okay with it. So um, R.J. had been trying to get me to go to this annual drink up that uh, him and his boys do for the Super Bowls, and uh, I, I I did not return the favor of uh, going to his events. He's only I only make him go to my things because I'm selfish. Yeah. Uh, but like mm-hmm. wrestling's real, so uh, I don't go um, to, I don't go to the fake sports. But uh, RJ, what was the reaction
1: mm-hmm. like to uh, the Patriots finally being brought down? Okay, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lay it on you like this, dog. Yeah. So I'm glad that you admit that you are a selfish person. Oh, yeah. Uh, people should know that. I also offered the ticket to you for free. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you still turned it down. But anyways, I'm not going back there. Okay. That's, that's behind so us. That's behind us. I'm not going back to this place. So I go to Average Joe's the last two years. I've gone there. And uh, I go because they have, like, tons of prizes. They have, like, uh, like 20 jerseys, uh, three TVs are, the, like, the main prizes. Uh, there was a Bud Light chair, speakers, all sorts of shit, right? And for every bucket of beer you got, you got tickets for those prizes. Uh, last year, me and my friend drank, like, I don't know, like $200 worth of beer. We had so many tickets, and we didn't win a single thing. And this year, uh, I was a little bit more... Um, kept back i didn't spend that much but uh, we still didn't win anything so i think it's bullshit you want to you want to hear too i'll get to the actual sport but they were giving away one of the tvs and they called a number and no one came up so a couple minutes later they called again and no one came up and i'm not kidding to a room full of like 150 people uh the guy called the number again he's like oh well they're not here it's like oh we don't need to call anyone there's ashley she's gonna win the tv he just gave it to some lady uh-huh. to a room full of people and there was like I heard people in the back they're like boo so I don't I don't really know how that works but I'm not going back anymore Jared the only reason I went is because I don't have cable so I couldn't watch it at home I'm
0: pretty sure that's
1: illegal but I think so too yeah, Well, I think I, he tried I, to play it off like oh here's the winning ticket oh there's there she is but he said her name so it was like that's suspicious mm-hmm so, anyways, yeah, we're not going back. That's super seedy. But, uh, anyways, the New England Patriots, uh, they have more – they have better fans than other teams, but they still are fair-weather fair fans. Just like the Eagles, who had a lot of those uh, wow. this year. Uh, I can't imagine that uh, half of the bar, the way that they were cheering, it was a good clean split, but I can't imagine that uh, those people were mm. Philadelphia Eagles fans uh, before this <laughs> week. From being from uh, a uh, Western Canadian province that has no NFL well, Okay, to be fair, like I mean I guess if you are just tired of
0: the or the Patriots winning, yeah. any team is your team?
1: Yeah, no that that's true. but uh, yeah, there was pretty pretty even. there was people cheering for and against, but uh, there was a pretty good cheer when they lost so oh. I think uh, most people were happy except for the few And this is like the what the at least the second year in a row where it's actually been a really good game. Yeah, yeah, it or has. Three, so, I guess it's been three
0: years in a row, right? Because there's well, I the Seahawks in there too.
1: The Shithawks. Hawks. Uh, like, um, I think uh last year's game wasn't actually that good. It just had a great ending. like back. Yeah, it just had a great back half. So yeah. like this game, I think was actually way better because it was a super close game the right. whole time, and there was like a bunch of crazy shit, like missed extra points, like stuff like that never happens. Fucking quarterbacks catching balls. Bill Belichick tongue kissing people, it was nuts. It was nuts. I, I was actually just uh,
0: listening to a podcast, and there, uh, I guess there was a a thirty for thirty that just came out called like the two mm-hmm. bills, and it's all about Bill Belichick and another Bill who was like his mentor. I don't, know. Mm-hmm. I I don't know that football, but it sounds like it's supposed yep. to be a really good documentary. Regardless of
1: your caring about American football, yeah, there's a Tom Brady one too, and everyone got in a huff because he kissed his son on the lips, but whatever. <laughs> I saw a good tweet today where it was like every, everyone's mad that Tom Brady kissed his son on his lips more so than like all those NFL players that beat up their wives and girlfriends <laughs> a bunch of years ago. <laughs> so, what's really important? Who's the real monster, Jared? Yeah. Anyways, uh, football. Football. That's fun. Nice. That's it. I don't, I just want to tell you about uh, did, how did you, did it you, was rigged. Did you get, yeah, well, it is. Well, that's just redundant information. Uh, did you get uh, lit? No, not too bad. Last year, if you remember correctly, I got in quite a bit of trouble mm-hmm. because of the amount that I drank <laughs> and uh, I had to make an apology cake. Oh. Um, so I, I tried not to this year. That's good. I mean, we, we indulged a little bit, but uh, not as much as I wanted to. So mm-hmm. That's good. Anyways. Great. Um, well, I did nothing, so.
0: Good. Good. In the meantime, hey, RJ, uh huh. get
1: any creeping on? I did some creeping. A couple mm. of them were uh, for the podcast, for the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then there was a little bit that wasn't for the show. So uh, I am still just rounding off of the, the few 50 sci-fis that I have left of uh, yours that I borrowed. And uh, so I noticed that on Forbidden Planet, there was two extra movies on the Blu-ray. Mm -hmm. Uh, So before giving it back, I was like, ooh, maybe I'll check that shit out. So uh, there was a documentary called Watch the Skies, Science Fiction, the 50s and Us. Uh, And I watched most of this. Uh, I didn't watch it all, but it was like Spielberg and James Cameron and George Lucas and uh, Ridley Scott. It was like and it was narrated by Mark Hamill. And they were talking about like their favorite 50s sci-fi movies. And for the first like ten minutes, I was like, okay, cool. But then it just became a clip show. Mm-hmm. It was like it was like five ten minutes of them, and then it was like five ten minutes of a different movie. And I was like, all right, I'm. I was like, I don't need this. I thought it would have been a really nice way to round off all my 50 sci-fi watching, but I don't know who that's for. I guess someone who might be wanting to get into it. Anyways, mm, right. So there was a movie on the Forbidden Planet Blu-ray uh, called The Invisible Boy and this movie featured Robbie the Robot right. from Forbidden Planet yep. who it's like i was saying i think they had big plans for this guy at their studio cuz in forbidden planet there was like he got his own like title card it was like introducing robbie the robot <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, so he's in this movie as well uh, i knew nothing about this movie i went on letterboxd and i saw that like hardly anyone had even seen this fucking movie it has 208 views on letterboxd Um, so I was like, all right, Now 209. (laughs) Yeah, no, I was 208. So, so I throw this movie on here. And this is the first time in a long time that I was just like left amazed by a movie. Uh, Not that it was good, that it was so fucking bad and just like unbelievable. I was like, I can't believe this. I was like, the things that are in this movie are so weird. Uh, So to... Okay, so the movie itself, just first, it takes place on Earth in the 50s, and there's uh, a team of, like, NASA scientists, and they're making a supercomputer. And what happens is the supercomputer becomes sentient and wants to, dis- like, kill all the humans. So it gets uh, Robbie the Robot, who is, like, in a storage closet in wherever this NASA place is. Yeah. And uh, the son of... Okay, wait, I got to backtrack. The guy who's programming the computer, he's mad that his son isn't smart. He's like, like he doesn't know chess and he he's just cuz he's like an 8-year-old kid. And he's like, <laughs> "Come on, Timmy." He's like, "You got to be smarter than that. You got to know algebra." So he's like pissed off. So what he does is he brings his son in and he gets the computer to hypnotize him to mm-hmm. teach him how to play chess. Mm-hmm. But what the computer does at the time, and I'll I'll give this movie this. I thought the computer's plan was actually pretty good. He hypnotizes the little kid and like so, the little kid's really good at chess, and uh, he beats his dad. But then um, he like makes his makes his dad a bet. He's like, "If I beat you, you got to give me whatever you want." And he's like, "Okay." And so he beats him, and then he's like, "I want to go see that robot that never got built." And then his dad's like, "All right, whatever." But the supercomputer hypnotizes the little kid to go activate the robot so that the supercomputer had the robot outside to do his stuff for him. I was like, "Yeah, pretty good plan, right?" So. The robot and the little kid get into some hijinks. And the title of this movie is The Invisible Boy because there's a five-minute scene where... Or it's like ten minutes where the kid's like, I'm tired of getting in trouble. So the robot's like, all right, well, here, drink this. And then the kid turns invisible. He's like, now you can't get in trouble anymore. And so he's invisible for a while. But anyways, so the supercomputer tries to... uh, He, like, ransoms all the NASA guys and he blows one of them up, which was pretty cool. And then... He's trying to blackmail them to like destroy all the humans. Anyways, that's what this movie's. Like. <laughs> Why is this movie nuts, Jarrett? Uh, for a lot of reasons. So I think when they made this movie, they wanted to make like a Leave It to Beaver movie. Yep. But they're like, but that's not cool enough. We gotta sex that shit up. It's like we gotta throw in some robots. We gotta throw in a supercomputer who's evil, and we gotta throw in some sex because this movie has sex. Uh, it's really weird, man. So there's like, there's um the parents are like talking and the kids like, who would want to be a parent? And the dad looks at the mom. He's like, there are other benefits, <laughs> and he like breathes real heavy. And it's like you, mm. and like there's a lot of like sexual innuendos like to the kid. And I was like, that's gross. And then there's a scene when the little kid is invisible, and the two parents are like about to get down in their room. Yeah. And then you hear like the kid giggle and the little – and the dad is like, hey, Jimmy. Why are you he's little? Like, what are you little? doing in our and like he's invisible but they're like, oh. But no – so that's the other thing. It, everyone completely knows cells that this kid is invisible. They're just like, what a scamp. It's also <laughs> when he gets the robot like up and walking, everyone – and a direct quote, well, that's a robot for you. Like he's walking by <laughs> NASA scientists and uh, they're like, oh, I see you got the robot working. Like, they're so nonchalant. They don't care at all. Right. But anyways, the parent. So the little kid's peeping on his parents <clears throat> getting down and they find him and they don't care that he's invisible. But the dad's like, you little pervert. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he's like, get over here. And he catches him and he's about to spank him. But he's feeling around and he's like, oh, clever boy. He put his pants on backwards. So then he flips them around and then spanks him. And it, it's the weirdest shit because it's like, why would the little kid put his pants on backwards? It's like, like is he going to slap him in the dick? Yeah, maybe. Like, I don't get it, man. I was like, I don't understand the logic here. Like, I guess maybe a little kid would think that that it's like, he can't spank me if he can't find him a butt. I don't. But he was invisible anyways. So that doesn't make sense either. I don't know man this movie's really weird uh, there's some pretty premium quotes uh, I wrote down in my review uh, the dad is talking about like um, probability the son's like well what happened or he's like is it possible if I did this and I'm not even kidding I had to re- the reason I wrote this review is because I didn't want to forget some of these things uh, the dad says well mathematically it is pretty fraction and I was like what <laughs> What? Like mm-hmm. the dialogue in this is so cheesy. There's one time he's talking, and he's like, Well, you know a computer is just an adding and memory machine, son. And he's like, Okay. I don't know. It's got really corny dialogue. Um It was kind of fun to watch. I wish I was watching with someone else because it's super goofy. Yeah, but you're watching alone, like a I sad man.
2: I
0: was watching alone like a sad man watching his fi- his fifties sci fi <laughs> movies.
1: Yeah. So but anyway like the computer's plan was actually pretty good. And Robbie the robot is still pretty cool. There's a scene where, like, the army's trying to take him out. And he's just, like, you know, he's tough. But uh, there's there's two other things that I'll leave you on that were really weird. Um, there's a scene where the computer is, like, ransoming all the humans. And the dad, I'm not even kidding, he's just basically, like, you know, if I had a chance. Because, like, the computer had Timmy and, like, shot him into space, basically. He's like, you can't blow me up. I have a little kid with me. And uh, which was also a good plan. But uh, the dad was like, you know what? It might be worth it to take out Timmy to save the world. And I was like, what? So this dad, like in the 50s movie, the dad was like, we should sacrifice our son to, uh, you know, save humankind. I thought that was pretty crazy. But then there was also a thing, Jared, where at the end of the movie, the dad is like, all right, Timmy, get over here. And he's like, you were up to some bad stuff. It's time for your spanking. And then the boy's like, okay. So he like goes down to be spanked. And then Robbie, the robot stops him, grabs his hand. And he's like, sir, my dir- prime directive is to never harm a human. And then the dad, he's like, huh. <laughs> he like looks at the mommy and he's like, uh, kids, robots, what are you going to do? <laughs> and there's a basket of apples beside him. He's like, here, Timmy, have an apple. And he slaps an apple in his hand. And then he looks at the robot. He's like, here, Robbie, you have an r- apple too. And then they all eat an apple, and that's how the movie ends.
2: Hmm.
1: Did I interest you? Do you <laughs> want to watch this Invisible Boy movie? Nope. <laughs> Good enough. Good. Good enough. And then, uh, so that was my uh, my major creep. Uh, but I also watched um, a uh, a movie that I thought was kind of related to our Criterion creep this mm-hmm. week, but not really. So it's technically a creep. Uh, So I watched Almost Famous. Mm
0: -hmm. The Cameron
1: Crowe gem. The Cameron Crowe gem. Uh, So I don't think we've ever... I I use this as my chance because I was like, I don't think we'll ever talk about Almost Famous on this show. unless maybe one day it gets put in the Criterion.
0: Yeah, there's a possibility of Cameron
1: Crowe showing up one of these days. We got John Hughes. Why not Cameron Crowe? If they could, if they could put like Vanilla Sky and Almost Famous in there, I'd be pretty happy. Okay. Um so I, I love Almost Famous. Mm. I think it's a really good movie. Um,
0: you, love, I have you, se- you love it so much that you didn't even know that there was a director's cut.
1: Okay, no, I actually I thought about it, and I have seen that director's cut. I just don't own that copy. Uh-huh-huh. So, all right. I, j- I didn't watch it this time, though. But anyways, uh, I think Almost Famous is like a really good movie. Um, I have a little bit of nostalgic attachment to it. It came out in 2000, so yep. I was 10 Mm-hmm. So I was like, this movie's so cool. My brother really liked it uh, when he was, when it came out. So I watched it with him a lot. Uh, I think this movie's really good. It's a it's a really nice coming-of-age story, Jarrett. Yeah. Uh, but I don't know. I, I like watching bands, like, kind of on tour. Um, like, I think it, this movie especially shows, like, that band dynamic really well with, like, clashing band members and people who think that they should be higher up than other people uh this movie's really funny i think it's got some killer jokes uh it's got some killer lines the only thing i think is a little bit off is in the first 10 20 minutes it's a little heavy uh at times and a little exposition dumpy like francis McDermott's, like i'm a psychology professor at a university but i can't even raise my kids and like kind of goes on like (laughs) rants like that and it's like, well, you're a little boy, but you're so smart. You think you're 13, but you're really only 11. And so it's a little bit like that at times. But uh, it's what do, fine. It's fine. Um, I don't know, man. I really like this because I think uh, it's like a down-to-earth movie, dude. Oh. It's, re- it's, it's really like you can just vibe out and groove.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Did, I, yeah, I... I'm sorry did, did like little rj get a little like a little
0: bone about like being a, sure. like a kid on the road and being like all these creepy girls jumping around having a pillow fight around him no nothing yeah. weird like that sure buddy Robert? sure no i
1: just i think it's really cool seeing like so you're 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 gross but like uh billy crud up and jason lee i think they're really good together and um oh yeah i forgot jason I, Lee's I, in that He's really well cast in this. B- man. B- b- is he uh, better than uh, chasing Amy? Yes. Yeah. He. I. I actually think he's like. I think the casting in this movie is pretty, pretty good. Jason Lee is really good as like a frontman. Uh, Billy Crudup is pretty cool. as a good the guitar player. Ever seen uh, that forget- Jesus' son? Uh, who Billy Crudup? Yeah. Is he in a movie called Jesus's Son? Yeah. I, I guess you have not seen that movie. No, I have not seen that oh. movie. It sounds cool. Um, You might
0: like it. I might. Philly Philly Cheese Hoffman?
1: Yeah, Philip Seymour Hoffman, my main man. Uh, I really like his role in this. He's just like that. uh, He's like kind of a burnt out journalist. Lester Bangs. Yeah, Lester Bangs. And he's like the kid's best friend. Have you ever ever read any Lester Bangs? uh, I don't believe I have. That's okay. (laughs) That's okay? Yeah. What was I going to say? I I wanted to talk more about this movie, but I I I feel like I can't remember what i wanted to say i think the music's really good in this movie mm-hmm. i like cameron crow too so you know it had uh all the good bands there's some rolling stones in there even though i don't really think they're that good spoiler for later uh there's some who there's some beach boys some good stuff some good stuff great. buddy great
2: <laughs>
0: do what do you think of almost famous do you like it yeah, I saw it in theater uh, oh. way back when. Uh, I thought it was, like, okay. Like, it was a movie mm-hmm. that, like, old uh, Raj Ebert, like, just, he creamed all over this movie, RJ. Nice. Because you know, he himself was a young journalist, and he always he was like, I really relate to that. And, like, it's very, like, semi-autobiographical, or, or mm-hmm. uh, I guess it is autobiographical, because it's based on his own book that uh, Cameron Crowe wrote about doing the same type of thing about this, like, st- was it Stillwater? The, yep. name of the the, the mm-hmm. movie band. Uh it's like the first first, the first time I watched it I was kind of like, "Man, I'm not into this type of thing. It's a little too mm-hmm. sweet, a little like a little <laughs> wish fulfillmenty." I, I don't mm-hmm. know. I wasn't a big fan of it. But I did I do prefer the uh, the director's cut. Um, yep. I think it's uh it's, it's got more info in it. It's it's good. I like it. It's like not one of my all-time favorite movies, but uh, mm-hmm. I have it and it's a it's a nice little movie. It's a a good yep. example of like that Late nineties, two thousands, sort of movie making that holds up, Mm -hmm. I think, fairly well. It's been it's been quite a while since I watched it, so when I saw it randomly pop up on your watches, I went, "Oh, music, right?" Mm
1: -hmm. Well, exactly. Like that's kind of. (laughs) Did you hear that? (laughs) Yeah, filthy animal. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it it is a sweet movie, but it's real too, Jarrett. There's an overdose. There is uh, interpersonal relationships tension. Whatever happened to uh, her? what's Who, f- Kate Hudson? Yeah. She uh she was in a few other things and then nothing really of worth. I think she's really good in this. To to be honest, there- I think they're like that's what I mean. I think they're all really good in this movie.
0: Let's take a look here. Kate.
1: E- uh, even uh, what's his face? Uh, Jimmy Fallon. <laughs> but uh no, she was in a few things. I don't know. It is sweet, but I like that. It's it's okay to have movies that like are uplifting a little bit sometimes Jarrett if you say so I also I I said it before but I think this movie is actually really funny so there are a few things in there that like there's a line where Jason Lee is like telling Billy Crudup about like basically how the whole band hates him (laughs) and they're like oh well you think you're this uh, the front man and you're so hot and he's going on this big list and then right at the end he's like "And you know what your looks are beginning to be a to be a problem and I feel like that was like improv or something mm-hmm. because you see like it shows everyone's reactions and they're they seem like really genuine. They're like, what? Um, I thought it was. I thought that was really funny. Cool. Your your buddy from Game of Thrones, uh, Noah Taylor, is in this as well. Oh, OK. Hmm. I don't know. I like Almost Famous. We don't have to talk about it anymore, yep. but I think it's a good Fine. show. Cool. Um,
0: I will rattle off because I think you're done. Yes, I'm done. Uh, so it's February, and as I've been threatening, uh, I'm going to continue on watching these best winner pictures of the Oscars. Aww. So uh, that leaves for me the the '50s is like the era where I've only seen like a th- like three movies, four movies from like the winners. So I'm like, mm-hmm. well, I'll make my way through it. Starting so, if 1949, All the King's Men, which is kind of like a like a Citizen Kane. But mm-hmm. without like the the pizzazz, it's like a cross between Citizen Kane and another movie about a uh, a demagogue who uh, wins over the American people in uh, the Page Master. Uh, no, uh, facing the crowd, uh, it's sort of a cross between those two movies. Uh, mm-hmm. It's with this like pig farmer who like wants to, like, become a politician. He starts out Mm -hmm. an honest man. Uh, His exploits are uh, followed by a journalist played by John Ireland. And, like, at the beginning, he's like, yeah, he's doing all the right things, but he's getting beat down by, like, corrupt politics and fat cats and uh, graft and all sorts of stuff like that. Uh, Mm -hmm. But then, of course, as the story goes on, um, this this, uh, honest man gets corrupted by the system because he realizes the only way to win is to get corrupt and get paid off. Um, And it just tells that trajectory, like, Note for note, the way that you expect it. Um, I guess we live—we live in a world where uh, this reality has come to pass, like over <laughs> and over again. And now uh, the president, is this sort of demagogue figure, is po- uh, <laughs> just a uh, populist to his core, and just mm-hmm. just willing to do whatever it takes uh, to stick <laughs> like around. Like you, like me. Uh, uh-huh. So this movie's like decent pretty good uh mm-hmm. there's like there's some good moments to it but i'm like it's not as good as it could be so obviously right. one best picture
1: um <laughs> was that a is that a a dig at best picture winners
0: uh yeah essentially i was mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm working on my ranked list like over Ooh. the next couple of years i'm gonna try to like re everything as well that i've already seen and, and make the the definitive take rj what's number one right, right now? now man like uh, Of the winners? Yeah, I'd have to like it's more of like a top 5 cuz it's like pretty hard to like pick and choose, but like you've got like Unforgiven, Silence of the Lambs, No mm-hmm. Country for Old Men. But I mean, those those are all very recent movies too. So I mean, I'm going to be biased cuz like mm-hmm. two of the best movies came out year back to back, 91, 92. So I, I right. don't know if that's accurate. Uh probably like the oldest movie that's like I rank fairly high is uh, All Quiet on the Western Front from was it 29? I think that movie is mm-hmm. still like pretty amazing on a technical level, and it's not it's like yeah, for nineteen twenty nine it holds up pretty well. Uh Marty, uh starring Ernest Borgnine from fifty five. I think that movie's fantastic when I watched
1: it a few years ago. Uh but yeah. So what about Chicago? I haven't watched it yet. So that'll be number one once you do watch it. It's got John C. Riley. When are you gonna watch Chicago? Uh hopefully this month. You should have watched it this week for music week. Oh it's a music Dude. it's a music hall. You're a musical.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, so uh, then next up was Rewatch, because it's been years since I watched it, All About Eve. Uh-huh. Uh Do you know much about All About Eve, RJ? Not a thing. Not a goddamn thing. You know the title, though? It's those, I've heard the title, but a I... It's kind of an iconic name. So when I first yeah. watched this movie, I didn't know it really what this was about. Uh, it is sort of a biting satire of like the theater business, uh, I guess in 1950, and just like how backstabby and crazy people are. Uh, and Mm -hmm. what they'll do to get to the top. Uh, This movie is very famous for being clever, super clever. Like, everything is What do you mean by clever? uh, Like, the writing, the screenplay, it's, like, super... um, Like, everyone is just, like, zingers coming out of everyone's ass, essentially. Mm. It's really good. Like, it's, like, I think it holds up really well on a script level. Uh, It's a really well-made movie. It's got so many Mm -hmm. uh, great little actors showing up. Uh, It's got that Betty Davis... Got uh, Ooh. Ann Baxter and uh, God damn, I'm trying to remember the name of the, the one guy in it. He's like the voice of uh, Shere Khan from the Jungle Book. Uh, he and he sort of which Jungle the, Book? The uh animated one. He's he's got that. He's just he's got this mm. uh, amazing British accent. He sounds just like a, a British villain. So uh, not Idris Elba. But no, not not him. Okay. Uh, but yeah, no, uh, this movie is like really good. Uh. Mm-hmm. The only problem I say is like, it's too long at like two hours and 16 minutes, but like, there's like so many great scenes in it that like, it's definitely, uh, the pool of movies I've watched, uh, so far, it's the best of that batch. Um, it's really good. I'd say like everyone should watch it at least once in their life. I think it's a, yeah, lots of great performances. Uh, I don't know. It's just good, good movie. Uh, I would just say watch that movie. It's on all these best of lists for a reason. I don't totally buy it, but okay. No, it's good. I mean, if it feels like, if I was in my mind when I was watching, like, if this was a Criterion movie, it would be, like, up there. Like, it'd be the, the upper echelons as, as far as, like, really well crafted, great examples mm-hmm. of uh, 50s Hollywood movie making, what it could be, and stuff like that. But yeah, it's like, it's a companion piece to, like, Sunset Boulevard or something like that, too. Mm-hmm. Like, very similar sort of subject matter, types of characters. Uh, when screenwriters really knew what they were doing and they had, like, just, the best actors doing all their lines uh then i followed that up with an an american in paris which Hmm. uh stars gene kelly um and this lady oh god damn what's her name leslie caron she's this french broad who i'm going to be watching another best picture winner with her uh starring in it called Mm -hmm. Gigi. um american paris is a musical and uh Hmm. it's about gene kelly as a painter uh, former, he's an ex. He's a, he's a vet, I guess. Uh, mm-hmm. After World War II, he just decided, "I'm going to live in Paris. I'm going to make it as a painter." Because if you can't make it as a painter in Paris, you're not. You're not going to be a pa- an artist anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, he dances for no reason because that's what Gene Kelly does in movies. He dances, and uh, <laughs> so there's lots of bits where he just starts dancing. But he's like, he's not a dancer. He's a painter. Um, he falls in love with this lady, this Leslie Caron, broad. Just because mm-hmm. he is in love with her, and that's it, uh there's this like all equal like at least equally attractive woman who's also super rich who's like really into him and just throws money his way, but he seems to be not interested in her. I don't understand. are uh, you
1: rating this woman on by on her appearance uh yeah, because yeah that's that's what you or was it her personality that you said was attractive?
0: Well, I'd say that the love—the one that he's interested in—she doesn't like do anything. There's like nothing interesting mm. about her, other than she's been cast as that person that she—that he's in love with her. Betty? She's she's the dancer, so they can do dance scenes together. That's about uh, it. So like you're cast on your ability to dance, but like she's like her acting, no. and it's like not good. Um, so yeah, this movie exists. It was very boring. Um, this belongs to the uh, my favorite subgenre uh that I've currently titled. Uh, American genital colonization of Europe in the 1950s. Uh, oh, wow. This movie, this list includes Summertime. Uh, <laughs> mm, it's a good movie. Uh, and uh, Roman Holiday. I don't know what that is. Uh, with uh, Gregory Peck and Audrey Hepburn. Uh, yeah, it's these movies yeah. that like were being made about Americans in Europe after the war and falling in love in scenic mm. backgrounds. This movie is just is another one of those. And I don't like them because I don't like Roman holiday and I don't like summertime. They're just <laughs> not interesting to me at all. Um, summertime is though. No. <laughs> uh, so anyway, so American in Paris, uh, it's a dud. It's, it's, it's weak sauce. It's not one of the worst best picture winners probably, but uh, I'd mm-hmm. still say like my fair lady is actually even boringer cause it's three hours long. Um, yeah. But yeah. There's not much to recommend about this American in Paris. Mm-hmm. And then I watched uh, what many consider one of the worst Best Picture winners, and that is the Greatest Show on Earth. Are you familiar? What's that about? Are, are, well, R- circuses. G- yes, yes, it is. Cirque. Uh, it's uh, stars Charlton Heston, uh, rock, rocking the uh, Indiana Jones look. Mm-hmm. Uh, this movie was made in cooperation with the Ringley Brothers and Barnum and Bailey Circus. It is just mm-hmm. like a movie. Advertisement for the circus, um, and it has Jimmy Kay. Jimmy Stewart shows up, and he's com- he's constantly and always in clown makeup, uh, which is like really upsetting. Um, I don't like that very much. No, so he has every. It's just so it's just strange because you just it's all Jimmy Jimmy Stewart uh, to talking like a cl- being a clown, and, and he's got a little dog, <laughs> and mm. um, yeah. So there's like. Nothing special about this movie, uh, but uh, it does like it has these great like moments where they're doing like the trapeze stuff and the acrobat stuff. And mm-hmm. I mean, it's done safe, like you know that there's nets, but the way they shoot it, it's like really well done. Like there's like scenes where you're watching, you get like sucked into the tension of it. And I'm like, well, that's like pretty admirable. Like I can't like I remember I, I actually being like tense watching it. So its ability to create the tension of watching, even just actors performing these stunts and making you kind of get sucked into it i think is an mm-hmm. accomplishment uh the movie's shot in technicolor so the colors and costumes are all ridiculous and crazy um uh, mm-hmm. they look great but i mean the story itself is just like so boring uh it's like it takes it's, it's another like two and a half hour long movie um about i don't know a circus going on the road <laughs> and uh some like mobster tries to like get one of his guys in there to fleece the marks and that's not the type of place we run here so he gets chased off but then makes ooh those gangsters they want to they, they now they got a grudge against this particular circus and uh, another guy who's like the elephant trainer he's all hurt because this lady won't return his affection and so he like winds up with this gangster guy to, to take revenge against the circus which like leads into this like out of nowhere climax where they like dynamite the railroad and create the causes gigantic, like train crash where like everyone just gets like Mm. fucking wiped out. And there's like, I don't know. These have like these like tigers wandering around and, uh, elephants (laughs) like it's, it's (laughs) very, very like, like what the hell? Are you
1: saying it's a good show?
0: no like it's not like i wouldn't i wouldn't say rj you should check this out um mm-hmm. i'd say like it's a miss you could you could go your life not watching this for sure i'm glad i watched mm-hmm. it just because like whatever it's like not bad the acrobat stuff's really good um
1: but do you think it's what do you think movie which movie is better the greatest show on earth or uh, high noon high noon <laughs> Okay, well, that was nominated for Best Picture that year. Yeah, so uh, there is—I uh, think I might have mentioned before.
0: So Danny Perry, who I have talked about on this podcast before, yeah. he wrote those movies, the cult movies list—he uh, actually wrote mm-hmm. a book called *The Alternate*, *The Alternate Oscars*. And what he did is he went through every year and yeah. like up to like whatever when the book was written in 1991, uh, mm-hmm. and he picked like his like his choice of what should have won best picture that year Mm -hmm. i actually have it on a spreadsheet because part of this project of going through the oscars is watching both Um, okay and like for the most part like i've i had seen more of the alternate oscar winners than i had Mm -hmm. seen the actual best picture which just goes to tell you what everything you need to know about the oscars in
1: a lot of ways Mm -hmm. and the tastes and stuff hey Um, yeah that's cool you're a nerd yep uh you know what's interesting what uh, I see that at, at this year, the 25th Academy Awards in 1953, uh, Best Picture was Greatest Show on Earth. Best Director was John Ford for The Quiet Man. Yeah. So uh, I, I thought that was uh, a recent thing in the last 10, 20 years where it was directors and Best Picture being different. But Well,
0: you know what's, what's fun fooled too? Fooled me. So uh, the, the pick that uh, Danny Perry had for – his alt, alt best picture to Greatest Show on Earth is Singing in the Rain, starring Gene Kelly. Mm-hmm. The follow-up to American in Paris. American Paris, like, swept the Oscars, and uh, yeah. and then the next year, Singing in the Rain got, like, whatever, ignored. But, like, I think by mm-hmm. the end of the, by, like, 1960, everyone regarded, like, Singing in the Rain as, like, an all-time classic. So, mm-hmm. that does happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see here. Oh, uh, American Paris. Paris, uh, its alternate picture uh, flip side is Strangers on a Train. Ooh, nice. Which, uh, have you seen that? Yes. Yeah, I mean, it was good. Yeah. Uh, all about yep. Eves. The 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 pick for Danny Perry is Sunset Boulevard. So those oh. came out the same year. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, and then for all the King's Men, for those keeping track, uh, Gun Crazy, which is this like wacky uh, kind of like guy gal on a crime spree film noir type of deal. Um, what about uh, Chicago? The, well, that that's uh, post nineteen ninety two. So question: Was work. he dead? Uh, no, he like completely dropped out of like watching or at least reviewing movies. He and he's like a baseball guy. He, he just hmm. covers baseball uh, professionally. It's kind of a weird baseball? thing.
1: Baseball? You don't watch sports? I don't, but he does. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I'm gonna look it up, but you keep talking.
0: Okay. Uh, so next up for me is From Here to Eternity, uh, starring my Ooh. boy Burt Lancaster. I was gonna try to watch it uh, before today, but I ran out of time. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah, and so also uh, related to the podcast, uh, when we watched Hamlet, which won Best Picture in 1948, its alternative Mm -hmm. is Treasure of Sierra Madre. And uh, yeah, that's Mm -hmm. definitely a better movie than Hamlet.
1: But Hamlet's like, fine. Yeah. So I found out for you. Okay. So the year that Chicago won, it was 2003. Other movies that came out that year were Gangs of New York, Mm -hmm. produced by Alberto... Grimaldi and Harvey Weinstein. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, the Hours, The Lord of the Rings, The Two Towers, and your movie by your buddy Roman Polanski, The Pianist,
0: Penis which he won Best
1: Director for. Yeah, that's
0: that's kind of a lame duck year in some ways. What came, I thought you liked The Pianist. Oh, The Pianist is good. That movie, like, fucking, oh uh, man, it makes you really de- makes you. Sp- depressed about all those uh jew jokes you might tell with your friends
1: uh, and, adaptation came out that year as well, well
0: uh, so no so 2002 uh you had uh-huh. punch drunk love oh come on yeah uh, <laughs> that wasn't
1: nominated for anything no uh, uh,
0: adaptation oh oh, oh far uh, from heaven uh irreversible <laughs> Ooh. we uh the the red dragon remake e- equilibrium Blade, yeah. Bl- Blade yeah. Two.
1: Oh fuck! That's the best picture that year.
0: Blade hey, Two hey, so hey, good. RJ, do you like that about a boy? I think it's fine. Really, that movie's really good. Yeah, I like that. I, don't I like probably. that. I like that. Nick Hornby.
1: You, you're Nick Hornby. How about that? Well, you don't like High Fidelity? It's fine. Oh my god! <laughs> I'm not an old man like you. I don't like these <gasps> '80s. See '80s. You like high- <laughs> Isn't High Fidelity that John Cusack movie? Yeah. From like 1999. <laughs> oh, I don't even you know what? I think I saw that on TV once, but uh I don't really remember it that Jackass well. Jackass, so the movie. You're High Fidelity. May What are we doing now? Are we just naming off stuff? Yeah, riffing.
0: Hey RJ, you got any news? Yo.
1: Uh, I got some news for you. I just forgot. I watched uh, half of uh, The Cloverfield Paradox before we started the par- podcast today. <laughs> uh-huh. That's my news, is how uh, that movie was announced and then released the same day. Hey, RJ. Yep. Yeah, my, my news is, apparently, Netflix paid $50
0: million for The Cloverfield Paradox.
1: Yeah, I don't doubt it. It's a high-production, mm. no, high-concept uh, th- film. Well,
0: yeah, I've heard nothing about the production looking very good
1: um no it doesn't look particularly good and it doesn't sound good either uh so from a guy who's only seen literally 45 minutes out of an hour and a half movie (laughs) film uh i thought it was fine there's nothing really to it i know everyone was like oh it's like black mirror just not as good Uh, and it's like yeah i guess like i don't know it's it's just a sci-fi it's it's honestly it's just it seems like a sci-fi movie that is okay and it's just not great but it has like a ton of actors in it and it had that big super bowl promotion so mm. i think if it didn't have any of that if it just came on i bet if it just dropped on netflix without that big promotion people wouldn't hate it as much as they do well it would
0: have just been another netflix movie yeah it would just that, been like, another which, which netflix they, movie. they show up on fridays and
1: that's it yep so, I don't know. I watched half of it, and it was, it's, it's fine. It's not good or anything like that, but I there's a lot of people who are like, this is the biggest piece of shit ever, yeah. just Black Mirror. And it's like, well, that's a little too much, but I don't know. I'll finish it later. I'll talk about it next week. Okay.
0: What's your, what's your other news? Uh, well, uh, I just saw the AV Club headline pop up, which I think you also had shared with me. 96% of Star Wars movie directors
1: and writers have been white. <laughs> you know what I find a little bit off about that news report? Mm-hmm. Aren't 60% of the Star Wars directors George Lucas? I don't know if how they did their math. Has um, any directed 6 out of 10?
0: Uh, no, that's not true. Four.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah. So he didn't, oh no, we're talking about writers, right? Yeah.
0: He, I think he's written like, he wrote all the original So he wrote six. The, yeah. Yeah,
1: so exactly.
0: I I, I I don't know, like, does, how many portions does George Lucas count as, I guess? I mean, he only count as one, technically.
1: Um, well, then it would be 25%, because I'm assuming that Gareth Edwards is the only, only non-white male that they're including, right? Because he's. Yeah.
0: Probably because I'll mean South think American
1: or is he European or something? Oh, I don't know. No. He's not. He's he, something. He, oh, fuck. No, he's,
0: um, oh, God damn it. Indonesian.
1: Gareth Edwards.
0: Yeah. Cause he directed, really? cause he's the raid dude. Right? No, he's from the UK. Or, 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 what Gareth,
1: Gareth Edwards. I'm thinking of the other Gareth. We're both wrong. He's from the UK. So okay. th- I thought he was like South America. Oh, or see, something. see, I'm thinking of Gareth Evans. Yeah, not that dude. <laughs>
0: yeah, that. See, that that guy's Indonesian. And Are I, they I, counting? And yeah. I, and that, I was getting, I was remembering because uh, the raid guys show up in Force Awakens wrote, for yeah. like a minute.
1: Yeah. Okay, so we got JJ. Or wait, no, we're talking about writers. Fuck, never mind. I don't care. George Lucas wrote like six out of ten. So
0: does it? I but feel- okay, the, the ultimate point here, I think, is does it matter?
1: No, I don't know why anyone would care.
0: Well, I did see some people, because uh, what was it, yesterday that the the Game of Thrones boys are going to be mm-hmm. r- doing a Star Wars trilogy. And I saw <laughs> one particular tweet about how Quentin Tarantino's writing, uh, Star or, Trek, doing Star Trek, and Game of Thrones guys are doing Star Wars. When will a woman or person of color be invited to do, do a franchise thing? And I was just like, well, you mean like Black Panther? When they're the best for the job. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Like or yeah, exactly. uh, Or uh, Thor Ragnarok, Blade,
1: <laughs> Guillermo del
0: Toro. He, oh, he's yeah, definitely Mexican. A, well, he is. He was born in Mexico.
1: Okay, I I yeah. now I know I, I'm not fucking that one. Like, like like Louis C.K. Like Louis C.K. Yeah, yeah. I mean, people forget a lot of that stuff. Hey, mm-hmm. I saw there was one thing. This is a bit of tangent. That uh, there was a picture of uh the office at Tesla or whatever, yeah. like Elon Musk things, and someone was like, he was like, can you find any women in this picture? Because it was all white men. And then someone was like, yeah, but that's like their office. It's like, why are you mad about that? <laughs> I don't know, Jared. Are we losing fans? I don't know. I don't know. It seems silly, though. Ryan, what's uh, what's his face? Black Panther. Is that Ryan Coogler? Is it Ryan Coogler? Yeah. Yes. I think. Anyways, that dude's wicked. So I, he like, directed
0: one movie I saw that was good, and I haven't Creed? seen I have I haven't seen Fruitvale Station. I have so I do Creed? have a I do have a copy of it. Yeah, I've seen Creed. Creed's good. Fine. Yeah, it's a good. Solid movie. Those are. Um, I don't know. Or you've seen Vox? I. So we didn't talk about that last week. The uh, this this the group who's going to bring down the Rotten Tomatoes score. It didn't work. Well, well, it, it, didn't hasn't, work. it hasn't happened yet because they had a Facebook yeah. group and then facebook took it down because apparently mm-hmm. if you don't like movies you're a a k group um mm-hmm. not that i'm going to discount the fact that like these guys all getting together to bring down the movie with a about an african superhero uh might not have other agendas uh or mm-hmm. that like the same people who are like really like still on about last jedi and mm-hmm. and whenever they talk about it they talk about sjw's i'm not saying those people don't exist but um yeah. i I think they're just losers.
1: <laughs> like, can I can I ask you something, Jared? Yes. Do you think those same people uh, picketed the release of Blade when it came out? No. So, like, well, they're why they're, do they? They're, care
0: they're, now? they're not picketing. They're they're just going Sabo- online. They're they're lo- they're sabotaging. creating a- they're creating accounts on Rotten Tomatoes, which like I don't know what sort of like I don't know like I who I didn't even know you could create an account on Rotten Tomatoes.
1: I it, who, well, Rotten Tomatoes sucks anyways. Who cares? But I I do know, yeah, those guys are sad sad losers. But whatever, they got taken down and it didn't work anyways. Because I'm pretty sure I saw the last I saw Black Panther has like sixty reviews and it's still at a hundred percent. So well, that means I'm fucking, pretty sure it's that, gonna be fine. That that means nothing, right? Because yeah. uh,
0: Last Jedi was at ninety three percent and like whatever, and it's like the movie was bad. So uh, f- all all film critics, regardless of movies, they've just they've lost credibility for me cuz mm-hmm. they, they they who cares what they say about anything other than other than us i don't yeah well yeah all you we can do is like listen to your own thoughts people don't don't listen yeah. to don't listen to podcast people and people who pretend they know what they're talking about i'm telling you right now we don't know what we're talking about <laughs>
1: I've never pretended to know what I'm I'm talking exactly. about. Exactly. You're you're ahead of the uh, the eight ball. So I'm mm-hmm. I, I think Blade 2 is the best movie made in the last 2 decades, so. <laughs>
0: Hey, RJ, uh, are are you watching uh, the new season of X-Files?
1: No, uh, <laughs> my friend, uh, Ryan, he's watching it and he said it, I th- I was like, how is it? And I think he sent a frowny face back. Mm, I, saw, I think he said it was a bummer.
0: So yeah, I saw, uh, a, an ad for it on TV when I was at a restaurant and it mm-hmm. looks like it's shot like a comedy and I'm like, that's, oh, that's oh. really sad. Because it's like, why, is it, why does this look so wrong? David Duchovny has not
1: aged well at all. He looks so weird. His, like, yeah. eye, eyebrowless face. Ugh. It's just someone give Chris Carter something else to do for the love of God. Yeah, he can just, Let him leave it alone. Let it die. Yeah. Yeah. He's just
0: no one cares about the, that anymore. And it's like it's kind of like what will happen when uh, if uh, Firefly or Serenity, whatever the fuck you call it, comes back. It'll probably. It won't.
1: I think Joss Whedon's lost his uh, his credibility as well. Yeah, people don't care about him anymore. Who shows the showrunners, RJ? Oh uh, yeah, oh
0: uh, yeah. Mm. Anyways, we
1: did some good rambling this episode.
0: Yeah, it's been great. All right, uh, onward and forward. Uh, after the break, uh, we're going to learn about rock and roll and the end of the summer of love.
1: The Rolling Stones. Welcome to The Breakfast Show.
0: And we're back. This is the Criterion Creeps podcast, and tonight we're talking about Gimme Shelter from 1970, directed by the Macelles brothers and Charlotte Zwerin. The tagline uh, for the film, the music that thrilled the world and the killing that stunned it. And the synopsis from Letterboxd, the landmark documentary about the tragically ill-fated Rolling Stones' free concert at El Altamont Speedway on December 6, 1969. Only four mm. months earlier, Woodstock defined the love generation. Now it lay in ruin on a desolate <laughs> racetrack six miles outside of San Francisco. Sexy. Hey, it's the Rolling Stones. Uh, uh-huh. Hey, RJ, you, you got a favorite Rolling Stones album? No,
1: I don't like the Rolling Stones. Why? I like some of their songs. They're okay. Is this like,
0: uh, oh, I don't like the Beatles? <laughs>
1: No, I like the Beatles. You know, I he think,
0: hey, Quincy Jones doesn't like the Beatles.
1: You know, he, he earned that right, though. No. He Because you know what? He went out and he made his own things. Because a lot of people beg on stuff, but never try to do it themselves. Mm-hmm. So I think he earned that. Um, no, I like some of their songs, like the ones in Martin Scorsese movies. Mm-hmm. But uh, I always felt like there were other bands that deserved the credit way more than Rolling Stones do. Where it's like not like the credit, but I feel like they get they get boasted up a lot of being like the guys who started this new wave of rock and roll, and I don't really feel like they did, because like, I mean The Who came out two years later and I feel like they were way more influential to where rock and roll kind of went, and like I know they they made different music, but I don't know, man, I like songs of the Rolling Stones but I don't I, I don't own a single album of theirs, and I couldn't even tell you the name of one. I know one has lips on it. Is that a greatest hit CD? I don't know. Uh, yeah, I don't know what that specific like the that's like
0: a logo. I think more mm-hmm. for the group rather than any particular album. Um, I like that. I like those Rolling Stones. Um, I think. But they, you don't like, listen to music. Well, no. But I guess when I do, uh, and like, you, like you, as you kind of made a comment about, uh, uh-huh. I guess like my like gateway into like listening to Rolling Stones, where I actually knew I was listening to Rolling Stones, was yeah. uh, Martin Scorsese, like when he used mm-hmm. them in Mean Streets, for instance, um, yep. quite well. And uh, then uh, my buddy Corey, he mm-hmm. w- is a Rolling Stones fan and he was buying their uh, CDs when, when uh, was it abco uh alan klein's company they started mm-hmm. re-releasing all this stuff in like higher like restor restored versions of the cds so he was getting those and i was mm-hmm. borrowing those and ripping them back in the late 90s uh listening a lot to hot rocks which was like their mm-hmm. first like the the big uh collection of all their like their best 60s early 70s stuff which is like i still mm-hmm. say that's my favorite for like all their songs like all their best songs are all in one there their best album, I would go with uh, their Satanic Majesty's Request, which was mm-hmm. their, like, dipping their toe in psychedelia. Uh, that album's really good. And mm-hmm. uh, I think two of their best songs actually show up in Wes Anderson's uh, Bottle Rocket. Mm-hmm. Which, what are those songs again? Oh, god damn it. Uh, let me take a look. <laughs> <laughs> well, I thought you would have that offhand. Uh, That's it's like twenty. 20 what was it? 20,000 miles? 20, something like that. There. Oh, say, you nerd.
1: Oh, my gosh. Well, okay, well, I'll, I'll take it back for a second. When I said that, I feel like they get too much credit and stuff like that. I honestly do because there's like the people who are like, there's the Beatles and then there was the Stones, right? And the Beach Boys. And the Beach Boys. Yeah. So everyone talks about like those are the, it was like Beatles and the Stones and the Beach Boys. If it was me deciding, yeah, I like the Beatles. I think they were pretty good, but I like the Beach Boys more and I like the Who more. So that's, that would be my path through rock and roll history. Well, you can like you, you can like every like, they're all good yeah, well, people, I, talk, I people like Beatles, talk about the
0: who? Yeah. Like who, who's saying, no, oh, the I, who yeah 2000 I, light years from home and uh, okay. I guess uh, maybe it's 2000 man I can't, it's been a while, but yeah. Uh, no, that album's awesome. What a great, I, a, I know. I, I know
1: I can like them always, all. I was just saying, you, you, I don't you RJ. Like the Rolling you, Stones you, that much. Yeah,
0: you you RJ these things. You're like, I hate ACDC. I hate Rolling Stones.
1: I don't like ACDC. They suck. They suck. <laughs> They suck. They're horrible.
0: You just don't like it's like Fight Club. You don't like their the fandom.
1: I don't like Fight Club either. I don't you like did. the
0: You did. Oh, you did. I
1: did once. You lied. Yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah, it is. It's the fandom. The Rolling Stones it's not the fandom. But Fight Club it was the fandom. I don't like the people who like Fight Club. And ACDC... People ruined that band for me, too, because it was like, OK, I kind of like these. And then every chowderhead comes up to me and is like, let's listen to Thunder and take shots. And like, I'm all for drinking, man. I love drinking, but I don't need to listen to ACDC to get drunk. And I just hate like the way their music gets used and like just culture, like at sporting events and every fucking TV, movie, like commercials. Ugh. ACDC sucks. I like I like Rolling Stones more than them. I don't dislike Rolling Stones. I just don't like them that much. That's mm. all. Well, so hey. you, you,
0: what you could say, if you wanted to be more articulate, is that you don't like really have any strong opinions about the Rolling Stones.
1: Yeah, that's a that's a more fair. There, assessment.
0: there you go. Instead of being, yeah. they,
1: oh, I don't like them. It's like, well, you, you, <laughs> what, what did they kick your dog? You know? Okay. Yeah. That. I don't have any strong opinions. I like songs. I think, like, Gimme Shelter and Wild Horses are, like, real good songs. Mm. But uh, I don't really like Satisfaction anymore because it gets used all the time. Sure. And that's one of the problems of being, like, one of the
0: most successful bands Guess of the last, like, 50 years. Yes, <laughs> <Guess> it is. <laughs> Who are
1: still active. And, well, like, in Almost Famous... You think uh, Mick Jagger is going to be up there doing his thing at 50? No way, man. <laughs> and I don't think – actually, you know what? So listening to his like live stuff in this documentary and then when I – just thinking back to this, his songs that I know, like Paint It Black and Give Me Shelter and stuff like that, I feel like they were re-recorded when they were older. I think they sound way better older. Like, like not like older. Ugh. like Let's say late 90s. Like in the '90s, maybe they re-recorded these songs because I think when he was live at these concerts, they sounded horrible. Mick Jagger, not the band. Mick Jagger, I feel like sounds horrible because he's always like. "Ah." I think the recording studio gave him uh, did him well. Is what I mean to say. The studio sound, okay. Yeah, I don't think he sounds good live. Is what I'm trying to say
0: yeah okay so we're, we'll get into my opinions on concert films and whatnot which this is uh okay this so is. first of all
1: rj what do you, what did you know about this documentary going in all i knew was that some guy got stabbed at a uh, rolling stones concert and this was a documentary about it yeah how it was a documentary about it i didn't know mm-hmm. so when i was watching it i was surprised and i actually liked the way that it played out they don't there's no like narrator there's no setup almost it just throws you into random like random segments of clips and footage that they have and it leads you up to that it it shows you like it takes you on that so i actually thought that was really like they did a good job on how they set up this documentary right yeah anyways because they use this yeah they have this like uh they have a footage that they shot when they were at
0: Madison Square Gardens, which is, like, where uh, uh, the brothers were filming their stuff, They shot that concert, yeah. and then I guess from that point forward, they're like, oh, you're doing this Altamont thing? I was like, hey, we'll just, like, stick on the road with you and, like, document the whole process. Why not? Cool. Yep. That's all, like, a lot of, like, these, like, kind of iconic documentaries get started, just like an innocuous mm-hmm. thing that, ha- like, what just turns into a bigger thing. Um, so, yeah, so this documentary kind of gets lumped into – kind of like when people talk about like the the, the demise of the love decade, Uh they, mm-hmm. people point to like Robert Kennedy getting assassinated, Martin Luther King, uh, talking about Manson uh, murders uh, and Altamont mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, just turning into like, hey, look at all this, at this fucking hippie shit and like the mm-hmm. violence and uncontrolled nature of it and no one knows what to do. Uh, So that's kind of like And it's like all At the end of the 60s So it gets like A lot of attention to it And so Gimme Shelter Just happened to be The documentary being made At the right place Right time Or wrong Mm -hmm. place Wrong time Sort of thing Um, Yeah So I'd seen this like I've seen this a few times, uh, mm-hmm. actually, and there's like no reason for people not to watch it. It's actually on YouTube in its entirety. Really? Yeah, Criterion has it up there, I think. Hmm. Uh, so it's readily available. Uh, it's on Canopy. Uh, I happen to actually have this on DVD.
1: Nerd. Um,
0: I, it's on Blu-ray, but I don't know if it would be really necessary to upgrade this to Blu-ray, because I don't know how mm-hmm. great this would look in HD, because uh, it's like 16 millimeter uh, shot "Quote unquote" direct cinema style, so it's very Mm -hmm. handheld, in situ, and it's not like a particularly beautiful-looking film or anything like that. But I think uh, the film manages to capture a lot of like really great moments and shots and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Uh, So yeah, uh, the first song that comes up in the "Give Me Shelter" documentary is "Jumping Jack Flash." Mm -hmm. Uh, I take particular note of this Uh, Mick Jagger He's rocking this like Sweet Like his American tour Outfit that he's got For the tour Which has got the Omega symbol On the chest And he's wearing this like Silver cape With the uh, American top hat That's pretty awesome um, the Lululemon symbol. Right. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Lululemon. So he was there beforehand. Uh, mm-hmm. We could, I don't know. I don't really know too much. Maybe you do, RJ, about Mick Jagger's like like crazy uh, like fitness regime because like he, <laughs> like his body physically has not changed uh, very much, which like is kind of ridiculous. And in fact, like not all of them uh, pretty well, other than their faces, physically mm-hmm. look the same. And it's like- uh, I, that- I think it's just British genetics. It's just like eating beans on toast. Well, yeah, because like I remember. Hard boiled I, eggs, and that's it. That's their diet, yeah. and, and cigarettes and uh, drink.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because he drinks, like, Diet Coke. <laughs> yeah. So maybe that's what it is. Maybe. Yeah. yeah.
0: So, yeah, that's always a strange thing.
1: Yeah. Uh, I don't find him a heartthrob in the least. Mick Jagger? Nah, he's gross. Mm, I don't know. Twiggy.
0: I don't know, man. man. Yeah, no, he's he's got the um, that androgynous quality to him that I think kind of made him a superstar. Like me. Like, unlike you. You, what you are quite unandrogynous.
1: I'm pretty femme. <laughs>
0: yeah, burly beardo here. Um, On the inside, Jared. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. I mean, Mick Jagger, <laughs> he kind of has that like that quality uh, that you had to have to be like a uh, sex icon. Uh was a rock mm-hmm. star, that Jim Morrison kind of vibe. I think Mick, Jim Morrison's way creepier looking to me than Mick Jagger. Jim
1: Morrison's uh, creepy but, looking to you.
0: Jim Morrison, yeah. Well, it's like I mean to me it's like I'd say like there's a reason why uh, Mick Jagger and David Bowie got together if you know what I mean. <gasps> China girl. No wait, that was a, that was about Iggy Pop. <laughs> I think. <laughs> Speaking of another guy who's like got like ridiculous physique to this day, Iggy Pop. Iggy Pop? Yeah. Yeah, that, I don't that know what the that cool man is beef, beef jerky. Ooh. Yeah. Rip me off a piece. Uh yeah, so the film, just like as I was talking about, uh, it's just yeah. them documenting the whole process leading up to the Altamont fremont Concert, uh, and in between, there's like footage of the Stones watching the footage of the documentary uh, as mm-hmm. it's being played out in front of them, the way it's going to come out in sequence, which is an interesting thing because I don't, I can't think of very many documentaries that have been made that have followed this idea of having your subject be a part of the editing Mm -hmm. process and have that then incorporated into the film Mm -hmm. Um, I'm sure it's been done before uh, probably as a direct result of being influenced by Gimme Shelter but I guess there's got to be a reason for it and we can debate whether or not it's effective or not or how it's Mm -hmm. used here Uh, There's like the 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 ridiculous size of the uh, book that comes with this DVD. It is like thick. It's got like I think this thing's got four or five essays, uh, Mm -hmm. which I did not read a single one of. um, Just because I I managed to read take enough notes. I think watching this, my own you did my own thoughts. Well, the bit that I uh, made a note about Is like the uh, radio interview listening uh, mm-hmm. So like one of the other Faces that you see a lot of in this That uh, it seemed like the, the filmmakers Were attracted to was uh, Charlie Watts Yeah, Um, they linger on him so much. Yeah, they 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 do, and it's like I didn't I didn't really think about it because it seems like because like when people talk about the Rolling Stones, it's Mick Jagger and Keith Richards, Mm -hmm. like that's who gets primarily talked about. But I mean, Mm -hmm. Charlie Watts has been there the entire time, uh, Mm -hmm. all along the way. Um, So you get a lot of like his reactions to stuff, um, where it's like I, I think I don't know why they wouldn't have as many shots of Keith Richards. Maybe he just like, cause he always has like, he has a pretty great smile and smirk and he seems like nothing seems to really phase him all that much. Uh, whereas like Charlie Watts definitely seems to be a more introspective, thoughtful person of like the group, which is just mm-hmm. like purely projecting, I guess, just based on uh, how they depict him in this. He's just, he's the drummer. He seems to be a bit more resigned mm-hmm. or whatnot. Uh, not a lot of uh, Bill Wyman at all, really. Um, cause mm-hmm. Actually, because nobody he, cares about him. Oh man, that that song he has in uh, Phenomena Argento's movie, man, that song is awesome. The Valley. Great I song. didn't know he had a song in there, but every song on that in that fucking movie is yeah dope. His is the non-metal track. Mm. Uh, I love the zoom in on the gimme shelter title card, which is like on the, uh, the, was it? The stone on the screen on the Steinbeck, I think is what it's called. Or is that a piano? Um, it's like, yeah, it's a cool zoom on. I'm like, that's a really Mm -hmm. nice touch. And yeah, uh, Mm -hmm. direct cinema. So yeah, this, I'm trying to think what, has there been anything like this so far in the collection that I'm just like forgetting? I mean, the closest Precedent to this would be Spinal Tap, Mm -hmm. Uh, which like I mean we were watching that like ten years after this had come out already, and this idea like in Spinal Tap is the send up of I guess this type of story like concert film documenting a uh, rock band and like the the stupid shit that musicians say, but we're actually (laughs) we're getting like the uh, the self reflexive moments of like Mick Jagger like a year later watching yeah. him saying dumb shit. And he's just like, fuck. Like, he's like, Oh my God, yeah. I'm an rubbish. Asshole. What an, yeah, rubbish. Uh, what it's like, what a, what an asshole I am. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is interesting. Cause like, uh, we watched a couple, we watched another documentary, uh, that kind of, uh, is like old, old grandpa Mick. And you see how much these men have grown up, uh, and they're just polished professionals now instead of yeah. like ch- kids who got like the most ridiculous break ever. And Mm -hmm. got to do whatever the fuck they wanted to do. Um, And managed to actually survive and and become, well, most of them survived. Some of them did not.
1: Uh, (laughs) That's how that goes. Yeah, that's
0: that's how she goes. Um, Yeah, so there's, like, a lot of this is Mick Jagger is the subject of the camera. Uh, Mm -hmm. Like, a lot of the performance uh, is just, like, Mick Jagger singing. And, Mm -hmm. yeah, I think you were kind of commenting about the sound of the musical performances. Yes. Um, and, like, yeah, I mean, like, there's, like, I'm not sure how much effort was put into, like, capturing the live performances and, like, making it yeah. sound, like, because so, most of us only, only have experienced the Stones in studio form uh, in mm-hmm. CD. And I always had this, like, uh, this conversation with a friend of mine who is a, or was a musician, and they were, like, I, I would always have a thing. I'm like, I prefer, like, studio versions to live versions, because... Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know, there's something that about the quality is like, well, I mean you, you know if a band's really good, if they're, be, if they're good live. If they're not good live, then they're not a good band, which I'm always, I've yep. always thought about that. Uh,
1: so, so I've thought about that as well because that's, that's a pretty common thing people say I feel. And uh, there are certain bands that I've noticed that too. Bands that I've seen live that are really good live almost better than they are uh, in the studio, Like uh, like say Pearl Jam. Pearl Jam live is like such a different experience than to listening them studio. Their studio stuff is good too, but it's like the best example I can think of is if there's any like serious satellite radio listeners out there, there's all these bands that have their own station that play just that band, like not just, but like 80% is that band exclusively. Mm -hmm. And on Pearl Jam, they have their own station and 100% almost of the Pearl Jam songs that they play are live versions from concerts. Right. And I feel like that speaks to it a little bit, where it's like that's a band where it's like live is better. But there's a lot of things that aren't as good live. Like I've been to a couple rap concerts, and uh, those aren't as good live. And mostly it's because like a lot of those songs, like the new stuff, there's so many people involved in it, Mm. like uh, so many collaborating artists that, a lot of the time they can't sing that person's part and they're not just going to like put put like audio track in their concert. So like I remember I was at a concert once and this guy only sang half of every song he ever – he had because he couldn't actually do the other parts. And it was just like this sucks. <laughs> so anyways, yeah. So I, I know that like how much was put into their – like for those shows in the sixties probably like they probably weren't the focus wasn't recording the audio, but uh, I thought the band sounded fine. I just thought Mick Jagger doesn't sound very good yeah i didn't I didn't think it sounded bad or I didn't think he sounded bad or not.
0: um, yep. I saw some notes like I think I saw one guy he made some comment like seems like Keith Richards is like always in the wrong key. <laughs> but I'm like, Maybe. I, I, I don't know. I don't know enough about music to like <laughs> say one way or another. Um, yeah. like his, I think they made some comments. Like I didn't know what song they were playing until Mick Jagger started singing. And I was like, uh, I don't know. Those riffs were pretty like, I mean, I've heard of them enough that I kind of, like, yeah. I know what they are, especially at that period of time. Like the songs they were playing, those are like, yeah, those are all like the, the number ones they'd be on mm-hmm. the Rolling Stones one, uh, CD. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so, uh, then we get, uh, introduced to Mel Belli, uh, was later played by Brian Cox in David <laughs> Fincher's Zodiac. Um, nice. He, he's the, uh, serves as the, I guess, like, the band's lawyer as they're trying to get this, uh, gigantic free concert going. Um, mm-hmm. and, like, we, it's, like, one thing to, like think about oh it's just like a free concert but then you're like oh there's how many hundreds of thousands of people coming to this thing Uh, later on there's like that ridiculous swooping helicopter shot of like people just like converging and you see this mass of people and you're like Mm -hmm. where are the like porta potties. Like where, where's where, anything? Where's anything? Where are basic services? It's like, Jesus nope. Christ. Like, like, no wonder this is a goddamn fiasco, because it's all gonna work out
1: in the end. <laughs> it's like, mm-hmm. is it? Well, that's like you're listening to him talk, and like he's clearly not quite himself. And oh, he's like because they're like, What do you want out of this concert? And he's like, It's not really a concert. <laughs> it's just it's just an idea Those, to get people oh, together they're, they're, they're to talk. So, f- yeah, they're 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 fucked up. They're, like, on
0: all sorts yeah. of stuff. And they're, like, they don't realize what could go wrong. They're, it's all going to work mm-hmm. out, you know? Which is, like, oh, so naive. Everything's just going to work out mm-hmm. great. And, like, now we live in 2018, which is just, like, a nightmare of logistics. And, like, we live, it's, like, we've nanny-stated ourselves. Like, mm-hmm. everything is so, like... Everything is so controlled because of th- events like this, where it's like, "Well, this has to change, and this, this, and this." So everything's insured, and like the the ridiculous hoops you have to do to like make things work. The fact that like people are yep. able to just scale up scaffolding and just climb up things, you're like, "Yeah, no one could do that now." Like you'd be arrested. Like you'd just be like that would be the end of
1: it, rather just than just the like, weird.
0: Yeah, I keep sorry. Oh yeah, no, that that was like
1: about all I was going to say about that. Uh... Yeah, I was gonna say the weird naked people who can actually get on stage <laughs> at this concert. Like, there's so many naked people at the concert, and then they're all just walking on the stage, and it's just like, it's like how how like there's no security there. Yeah, is this what it was like? This because oh. they were like when they were doing these concerts, they were mega popular. It's like I, I feel like they would have at least put in a guardrail or something. <laughs> that would be too
0: like that would be fascist man. Um yeah. so then uh, uh one of the next tracks that comes up is Wild Horses, which I think is like probably one of their best songs uh yep. e- easily. Uh and it's kind of like this real mellow moment that's like like just shots of like Keith Keith Richards boot just bouncing up and down mm-hmm. as he's like zoned out listening to his own music. Um mm-hmm. And that's like a weird thing that happens again in this film too, is like them listening to their own music in like their yeah. hotel room. And you're like, Oh, that's really odd. I never thought of that. It's but like they're really into it and I'm like, well, whatever. They're probably like, Oh, this is a really good band. Who is this? <laughs>
1: Man. Yeah, that's what I thought too. That's why that's see, this just fueled my like I wonder if they're even that good. It's like, did they know what they were doing, or did other people write their music for them? <laughs> no, they And they they, play, they, they played they, it, and it was just they were the frontmen, like they, Mick. They were pretty
0: good. They, they, they did this. Mm-hmm. They did. RJ. We'll see. It's not. It's not nowadays. Uh, yeah. And then, it's, and it's also in this wild horses sequence where you get a Charlie, the, the crazy like Charlie Watts looking at the camera. Oh, like, for so long. Like, oh, and it's like, it's like it's like who's gonna break first? And it's like what a oh, strange moment. And like it's like there's a few notes where I've made for myself where I'm like because uh, it's been a while since I'd watched this but there's like things in my mind that watching them again the moments are over really quick but I'm like in my mind's eye I'm like oh this shot goes on forever but it's actually really quick but this shot does go on for a while and I'm like what a great little moment and like keeping in the film of just like oh just confronting the subject and like m- making them back down it's just crazy uh, and then like the one thing I totally forgot about and I don't know how but the uh, the Icantina Turner performance Oh god, it's so off-putting. <laughs> it which is, is which is the intent. Uh it's like I don't know, it's pretty awesome, dude. Uh <laughs> I was real
1: uncomfortable Cause, cause watching cause, that. because you're a square RJ. Yeah, it's just I am. No, but it's, you know it's what? So I good. contribute to society. Uh it's so good
0: and uh uh yeah, there's like of course it's like this is like uh, performs that like oh hey Rolling Stones you got to follow up that and they're mm-hmm. like oh sometimes it's nice to have a chick uh, on these shows <laughs> and then he comes up alright now it's time for the real show to begin and he's like mm-hmm. oh he's so pissed <laughs> well it's like yeah you haven't uh, I can Tina Turner show up before you and like she just like fucking masturbates a microphone uh, it's like yeah have fun guys good 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 mm-hmm. go have fun uh, go up there Uh, And then they perform Honky Tonk Women. And this is like where we get like the first kind of taste of craziness of like people just running in. Like on people, the stage, yeah. Like over, and it kept, keeps happening because uh, a madness sets in. Sometimes in these scenarios, where one person sees another person do it, and then they get this into their idea. They're like, mm-hmm. "Yeah, I'm going to do that too." And they have to keep playing. And like, okay, oh god, this, oh god, another crazy person's up here. Are they going to try to stab me? I don't know. And they just keep getting just like hammered by security, and tossed off to the side, and they keep coming. So that's, that's good. Um, and then, yeah, we get to Altamont finally. Uh, we get the big, the the big helicopter shot, uh, pre-drone footage. Mm -hmm. So it looks way better than goddamn drone footage. Uh, I thought you uh, loved drones. No, that's, like, the one thing that, like, with, when it comes to, like, Twin Peaks, the return, is I think that stuff's going to age real bad. Um, but I think yeah. he made it look as good as, like, it's got all those great shots of the Pacific Northwest trees in the fog. That looks really good. So, mm-hmm. but uh, I think this whole era of, like, drone, uh, documentaries of drone footage in it is just going
1: to look so, uh, we're all going to laugh at it. In, like like Sicario? Few, uh, uh, <laughs> with the drone video game, night vision stuff? Oh, man, I don't even remember
0: that. Uh, anyway, good. so uh, the Rolling Stones they land in uh, Altamont, and Mick Jagger gets punched in the face within seconds mm-hmm. <laughs> by some guy, and you're like, "Oh, good, this is going good." <laughs> yep. Yeah. And then, uh, then the band goes into a trailer that's very small and they just hang out there for hours and are like, Mm -hmm. just getting like fucked up beyond belief. Like who knows the smell of that thing, the fucking Mm. substances. Oh, you can only imagine like what the hell is going on in that little trailer. I Uh, can, I've been with you. Oh yeah. In my, uh, in my, uh, smokehouse. Your horde. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So, uh, first note here, my first reference to uh, George Romero's Dead trilogy. Uh, <clears throat> even before the concert starts, this feels like that footage in Dawn of the Dead with all the hillbillies hanging out, killing zombies. We're, yeah. we're just like you're just hanging out, and there's just people doing shit. They're like wearing mm-hmm. crazy. They're something. They're naked. Sometimes they're just dressed all. Nuddly, and just like this whole range of people like people who are like there to listen to music and have a good time with their family. Uh, mm-hmm. and then there's like just a bunch of like dropouts and kids, and then you get like the real far out people who are living the lifestyle. Like, it looks like they're fresh off the commune, all just colliding and then you get like mm-hmm. the hell's angels who like i'm trying to like put my finger on how i feel about them in this i'll get to that maybe a little later on but yeah um, yeah and then the, we get our like i don't know if they're the actual opening act of the show but the flying burrito brothers uh, <laughs> like gotta be like one of the least essential acts of all time uh mm-hmm. they get to play their like one song that you've heard of that's great um and then my note here is moshing sucks um, so mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know, RJ, I haven't, I haven't gotten to that note, but we could talk about it now. Hey, how live concerts and stuff like that. I don't have very many experiences going to like live music. Like I've okay. gone to like, other than like going to the bar and seeing like a random act, I've seen like tons of that stuff, which I don't even sure. count, but like actually seeing major like label produced artists, I uh-huh. can count on like one hand who I've seen. Um, yeah it's pretty high it's like I have to like be really interested in seeing them um probably on the lower scale of that I seen Jonathan Richmond at a bar uh and that was like people be really being into Jonathan Richmond, so it was pretty low key but like when I saw the pixies uh mm-hmm. in Edmonton that was like kind of annoying to a certain degree because people are just like deciding I wanna thrash, I wanna fucking start moshing and I wanna
1: mm-hmm. crowd surf and that shit fucking I hate it. You you know what? So I've I actually have been to many yes musical events. Mm-hmm. You name it, I've been there, dog. Uh how, how, I was, have how, found... was, how was Nick how was Nick Cave? I never saw Nick Cave. Well you I named it
0: and you didn't. I have though <laughs>
1: name dropper
0: that best
1: best live show I've ever been to hmm interesting if true but uh I was gonna say so I have been to many outdoor festivals big time concerts little pubs whatever uh when I was younger I think it is probably what anyone would say when describing any of these situations when you're younger you're usually more into it but when you're older I think you either grow away from it Or you stay like that forever. So a good example is I just saw like Sasquatch Music Festival just put out there. Who's going there? And it's like, like on it, not kidding, like five of my favorite bands are going. But Mm. I'm not going to go. I'm not going to go to a four day fucking music festival and spend like $600 for the four days to be there. And like crowding the stage. And so. I know what you mean. Like, so so I I don't go on the floor anymore because it is too much for me because it's like I don't care enough to jump around with the kids. Yep. I I would rather sit in the back. But even that is getting to be a problem these days. So a good example is uh, like with Andrea, she's really short. Mm -hmm. And when we go to concerts, even when we're sitting in a back section, as soon as the concert starts, everyone stands. Yep. And then you obligatorily have to stand because it's like, I can't sit because the people in front of me are standing Yep. and you just have to do it. And it's a real fucking drag, man, because even with her, when she stands, she usually still can't see, see over the person in front of her. So it's like a real bummer. It's like, why are we even here then? Yeah. So there I'm, uh, I'm getting away from it. There are still bands that, uh, if I had the chance, I would definitely go see, you know, but, uh, um i don't know it'll it'll take it'll take a pretty big band or a a favorite for me to actually make the time to make the effort to go see it because live shows are getting to be a real fucking hassle and they're expensive they're expensive you know how much a beer was at uh (laughs) uh the iron maiden concert it was like 11 bucks oh my god
0: no uh, yeah, when I went to, uh, that Slayer show, uh, a couple years ago, yeah. uh, it was, like, I enjoyed that, but, yeah, I was really glad I was not on the floor, because it was just people moshing, and, I'm like, fuck, mm-hmm. it looks so annoying, and this, like, this mosher here and Gimme Shelter, holy fuck, this guy is just, like, I don't know, he's, like, on drugs on top of it all, or just doesn't give a shit, and just kicking his legs and arms into people, and you're just, like dude and uh yes sure enough he he uh it seems like the way from the editing goes uh the hell's angels uh bust out the pool cues on him and
1: on uh, some, yeah. o- some
0: other folk
1: well what i was wondering was well i guess that there was like zero secure zero uh, security but i was like where did they get the pool pu- uh pool cues from <laughs> exactly There's it's like did they bring them the with them? T- where's the
0: pool table yeah, I guess like I mean, when people are really into pool, they actually do have their pool cues with them. Like they are collapsible. Like my my dad has a pool cue. Like so, I mean, like yeah. I guess but would these, you take it to a concert out in a field? Well, if if you were a Hell's Angel, maybe you're like, oh, right after this guys, we're gonna go go back to the clubhouse, and uh, ah, we're gonna, we're, go, we're gonna do Sons of Anarchy type of things. Mm. <laughs> Uh, so
1: your dad carries his pool cue with him wherever he goes. Oh, he did. he had a pool cue and he would keep it in the trunk of the car, like
0: because sometimes yeah. like he'd be traveling, like hey, I could play pool and have my own pool cue. Because like, why do you need it in the house where you don't have a pool table? Right, and it doesn't take right. up a lot of space. And like on a motorbike, yeah, like a a, a a pool cue in half is like what like like it's not even it's like half a meter. Or so you could slot yeah. that in anywhere along with your like I don't know machete and gun. Um mm-hmm. yeah. Or long knife. Long knife. A nice long knife. Uh, yeah. Hey, next up, Jefferson Airplane. Another like band that I'm like, oh uh-huh. boy. Uh yeah. So they Oh, what uh, do you just hate music? Uh they're Jefferson Airplane. I don't know. White Rabbit yeah. Man. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's a lot of fucked up people in this. um <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, my note here, where are the porta potties? Uh, then I made the note, Hell's Angels do seem pretty cool. <laughs> and this is they're yeah, just they do. beating the fuck out of people. Like and just like losing it, punching lead singers in the face. Um
1: Yeah. They they seemed well intentioned though. Like, when stuff gets really rough, see, this they're is where... like the part of the only ones trying <laughs> to like stop because 'Cause they're the, kind. the that they because they're, they're the, the alpha
0: dogs in the situation. Yeah. So yeah, so this is the thing where like, yeah, they, they probably were cause they I don't know if they were, they probably were drinking themselves, but they also had like a way different temperament than everybody else that was there. But they did not know, because they're not trained to be security, let alone police or whatever. Uh, they don't mm-hmm. know how to keep, the, how to like uh, de-escalate situations. They're, they're just to like, well, are we, my response to something I don't like is to beat the fuck out of it. So that's
1: dumb. Nice. Um, but that's what you get oh. for hiring bikers.
0: <laughs>
2: yeah.
1: Well, you know, uh, they don't seem very smart, the Rolling Stones. Well, so. I don't
0: think I I don't think they really had a lot to do with that beyond like yeah. I mean, they're the well, managers. It's like, it's like it's like blaming them for like. Bad organizers. It's like promote well, the promoters are at yeah. fault, right? It's like they're just part of it and like they're the face of it. But it's like the end of the day. Yeah. It's like well, they're like hey, twenty six year old musicians. What should we do for our security at this three hundred thousand yeah. seat like uh of, like live free event? It's like that's yeah. dumb. Who who let them be in charge of
1: that? It's like it's, yeah. like it's like
0: kind of like they're not responsible for that either. Uh, they're yeah. just like kind of the the, the well, people we're following in this story
1: yeah the documentary shows that like well where it's that uh, it shows like a couple of the promoters and they get asked like six times by different reporters it's like hey did you know that like your facility can't hold or like this place can't <laughs> hold that many people and they're like no no we'll make it work and then they get asked again it's like no seriously did you know that like <laughs> you can't possibly have that many people at this place and they're like no no we're fine so yeah like it, it's definitely it was the promoter's fault yeah. but Yeah. Still. Yeah, it's like blaming, I don't know, Hulk Hogan
0: for like, oh, someone got beat up. Like, yeah, it's just stupid. Anywho. I like Hulk Hogan. (laughs) Yeah, me too. Uh... There's a great bit here, too, where uh, a dog... So the Rolling Stones, they finally leave the trailer, and they're like escorted up by the bikers to the stage. Uh, they start playing their their songs, and things are getting weird and a little a little yeah. heavy. Uh, there, there's a, a dog that just walks across the stage, which uh, I thought was pretty nice. Yeah, it was cute. Yeah, um... So anyway, wild
1: packs of family dogs.
0: That's there right. There are so many wild dogs in this movie. That's right. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, there are many weird naked people in this. And I couldn't help mm-hmm. but think mm-hmm. about Night of the Living Dead. Uh, yeah. Where there's just like, oh, yeah, there's like a naked person. And they're just like out of their minds. What are they? What They're coming toward the stage. And they're like climbing on top of people. And that just made me start getting into <laughs> like mother territory of just anxiety.
1: Yeah. I was really uncomfortable uh, watching this. Yeah. All those gross fucking dirty people naked crawling around yeah. the other people's bodies. Mhm. Yeah, not RJ Times, that's for sure. The naked
0: body is disgusting, Jared. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then yeah, we get this like other this great sequence, I think one of the better sequences in the documentary where uh you get this scene where it's like it's a shot of Mick Jagger and he's looking out into the crowd and he sees uh-huh. something. We don't know what he sees, but it's like obviously something Fucked up, and then mm-hmm. we, there's like the people who've like are at the front of the stage, and they're looking back, and they're looking at Mick Jagger's face, mm-hmm. and they're looking back, and like you're getting this like registration of their like, oh my god, this is mm-hmm. really fucked up, oh my mm-hmm. god, and then like but then like Mick Jagger starts singing again. And they're like, because it's sympathy for the devil, I believe. Yeah. And like, oh, they're like, oh, huh, yeah, they're, they're they're trying to smile and like, yeah, ha, ha, let's all pretend everything's fine. And then there's like the one face, like shot of the woman, her face is like crying, <laughs> and you're just yeah, like, um, you're like, yep. oh my god. Um, and yeah, I think I don't know, I don't know how I didn't leave a note here about it. But then there's like Wolfman guy, and if you know, you know who I'm talking guy? about, the guy who's on the stage and he's like tripping and he's just there and he's like, the camera just holds on him as he's like oh, having yeah. this like internal dialogue on stage a mere few feet from Mick Jagger. And Mick Jagger doesn't know he's there. He's like, one of the like hell's angel security guys is like doesn't know he's there and we mm-hmm. just get this long process of like waiting it's like how long is it going to take for anyone to notice that this guy is just on the stage and who mm-hmm. knows what he's going to do cuz he doesn't look all right um and so finally you get that delay of oh shit get him off the stage and he's gone uh, mm-hmm. oh yeah that was and that's during under my thumb um that's why that I knew I had a note about him and so yeah under my thumb is a song that is of course being played when uh Meredith Hunter is murdered uh, or mm-hmm. not murdered killed in self-defense uh as be later ruled right. in a court of law uh mm-hmm. as the like, key brought a gun and it uh, looked like it he he, sh- he sh- sure did he 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 mm-hmm. definitely was guilty uh of bringing a gun and maybe maybe he didn't need to get killed but that's that's what happened
1: yeah he sure got stabbed in the head sure did i'll tell you i'll tell you that much yeah that's that seems to have, what exactly would have happened it is kind of amazing that they got that on yeah film it's because it's like they're not even filming the crowd that much unless there was a different camera and they just cut that but you see that dude get stabbed in the head mm-hmm. real hard real hard but uh you also see him pull out a gun so well he brought he came but he came back
0: with that gun yep yeah Uh, yeah. And then, uh, concert wraps up and the Rolling Stones get the fuck out of Dodge. They're like, they are, they are like, they are sitting on each other's laps and just like flying away. Um, and this is followed by another uh, shot from a zombie horror movie of, like, the people, like, walking down, shambling around in the dark, uh, backlit from, like, the, the, yeah. the scaffold lighting. And it's just like, oh, yeah, we just saw uh, <laughs> an outbreak, uh, and they're just shambling now toward us in the darkness. Who are these people? Who knows? And uh, then the Rolling Stone, Mick Jagger's like, well, all right, well, that's it we get that the iconic shot, the zoom in on Mick Jagger's face after watching the footage and uh we get played out with the title track of this movie, <laughs> Give Me Shelter. is mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> Isn't it fun? Yeah. So hey RJ. It, yeah. Uh,
0: so uh what did you think of Give Me Shelter?
1: Um I thought it was fine. Uh like we were saying I thought the way that they set up the documentary was really nice. Like, there's, like I was saying, no narration or. They don't, like, guide you through it or anything like that. They kind of just. You learn the story by watching it. And I thought that was really good. And, like, when we're talking in the preamble about Almost Famous, I do really like seeing, like, bands on the road, kind of. But this isn't totally that kind of movie. It's mm-hmm. a little bit different. Uh, I think it's an interesting story. And it's, like I said, amazing that they got that like killing on film. I think that's pretty nuts. But uh, I've seen better. I think uh P- I think PJ20 by uh, my buddy Cameron Crowe, I think that's a better documentary. And they had an even worse tragedy when the those like nine people got trampled in Denmark or whatever. Mm. So uh who's the real tragedy here? No, it's good. I like it. I just um I'm not the biggest Rolling Stones fan, as you can tell. Mm -hmm. And uh, like, I think the story is interesting, but I don't know. I don't know if I'd watch this again. Mm -hmm. Not not soon, at least maybe in like 30 years.
0: Okay. What, what do you do?
1: You, what do you think? Do you dig this? Yeah, no, yeah, I, I think. I, yeah,
0: yeah, no. This is a a great inclusion in the Criterion collection, and uh, ah. I think I think it's really good. Uh, I think it's really interesting. Mm-hmm. It's got like so many like throwaway moments that only mm-hmm. documentaries can never really pull off. Um, like you can't, right. you can't, you can't have written this uh, in the same way. Um, sure. Like it would, it would be like almost famous if you wrote it, I guess like it would just be sure. saccharine and kind of like sweet and like, not like mm-hmm. this, like depressing, uh, zombie movie in the form of a music documentary, um, depicting mm-hmm. like, I guess it's like pinnacle point. Cause at the time they did not know that this was like the end of the, the, mm-hmm. the love decade, the, the love mm-hmm. generation was on its way out and we we're getting into like grimmer territory. Uh, I mean, Nixon had been elected in '68. and gets re-elected again, nice. and then impeached, and then uh, people start getting real paranoid and weird, and mm-hmm. militarization of SWAT teams in the police, and all sorts of great stuff. Reagan's coming. Uh, yeah, things just kind of keep marching on. <laughs> so it's um, this is like that last little gasp of like, oh, look at these sweet, look at these little hippies who like. Mm-hmm. It's like glossed over it's like yeah it's kind of like I can see Mm -hmm. people not really being into this lifestyle this lifestyle is not for everybody um like it's not for RJ's (laughs) get a job you bums no get a job work for your dad Eh, it's a job
1: it pays (laughs) it's
0: all that matters baby yeah Uh, so anyway uh, we also both watched a documentary about mm-hmm. the Rolling Stones, RJ's favorite <laughs> band, uh, and that's uh-huh. Shine a Light, uh, directed by Martin Scorsese. This came out, god damn, almost... 2000? Like, no, 10, 2009, 2008, uh, like 10 years ago. Yeah. So i had never seen this. Um, I had, when I read about this, I was kind of like, oh, I like the Rolling Stones all right. Um, mm-hmm. I like Martin Scorsese. But in combining the two of them, it's like, well, oh, it sounds like a great recipe. But sure. at the same time, I'm like, this is a concert, like a straight up just video concert type of deal, right? And so mm-hmm. my interest in this was always, like, pretty low. But I figured, hey, since we're watching Gimme Shelter, the, like, iconic yeah. uh, Rolling Stones documentary, I guess, I might as well watch Shine a Light because I wasn't going to go out of my way to find the other documentary, Cocksucker Blues, yeah. Uh, So anyway, watch Shine a Light, directed by Martin Scorsese. My first note about this is the Rolling Stones are old. Um, (laughs) This isn't anything new (laughs) or revolutionary. Uh, They are still playing and active and making music. I think they actually Mm -hmm. just had a new album come out in the last year. So that's Mm. crazy. Um, But yeah, like. As any great band goes on in time, their music becomes less and less essential. So Mm -hmm. a lot of the times they have, like, some new stuff thrown in, intercut with their, like, classic stuff that they know that everybody wants to listen and hear them play. That's just typical stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, So, I mean, okay, one thing I'll note, made a note about here was just, like, the whole, like, the most interesting part of this documentary for me was, like, the first 10-15 minutes, which is, like, all the organizational stuff of getting this concert together with Martin Scorsese doing the planning and, like, Mm -hmm. the Rolling Stones figuring out, like, um, like, their track, the way that the order that they'd play their music in, uh, just the weird, like, awkwardness of them, like, just standing around. But, like, it's just, like, so, such a difference from, like, Gimme Shelter when they are like, so young and disorganized and, like, just not, like, living the rock star life and now they're, like, old grandpas (laughs) who are, Mm -hmm. like, Like, oh, this is how it works, and this is what we have to do. Um, And they're still, like, having to, like, write music and practice and stuff like that. And to me, I don't really know anything about music, uh, how it's made, but it seems like a real pain in the ass, and I marvel at how music is ever being made or how it happens so I always find that process interesting because like when I hear music being constructed and like them like su- sounding out stuff and playing through things I'm like I don't even understand what th- what's going on like I understand a lot of things I guess when I see it from afar but like music is one of those things where I'm like uh this seems all very floaty and I don't really get the theory behind it but it seems to work mm-hmm. And some some people are really good at it, and the vast majority of people are very average at best. Um, I don't know. Any thoughts? <laughs> thoughts that? I
1: watched about twenty minutes of Shine a Light. Yeah, and I turned that shit off. Yeah, but uh, I counted it as a watch because <laughs> I play
0: ball like that. Yeah. Uh so that to me is like probably the most interesting twenty minutes is in that first twenty the minutes. First... and because after that, it's just yeah. it's concert footage intercut with footage of them from like previous decades and them doing yeah. interviews from like in the past, which like I kind of skimmed to, um, just to watch that, th- the clips, which I'm mm-hmm. like, yeah, that's fine. It's like going on YouTube and finding interview clips with guys. If I was like really into the Rolling Stones. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, we have Bill Clinton. <laughs> we have Killery uh, we have references to the Clinton foundation, which I just thought mm-hmm. was funny nowadays. Um, and there's like a comment, like, cause apparently Bill Clinton, like was behind the organization of this like f- second night, final night of their tour, uh, mm-hmm. that they were doing at the time. This isn't like, this isn't their last tour cause they're still touring, but this is the last leg of this particular, uh, tour they were on. Uh, and there's this bit where Bill Clinton said, this is not the first time he's like, like come out to open for the stones because the stones helped spread awareness of climate change in 2001. Mm. Uh, I'm like, ah man, Clinton foundations, climate change. It's like, it's all still there. And this is like, yeah. Anyway. Uh So I, I made a note asking, is Mick Jagger still sexually fulfilled as he was in 1969? Um well it depends who was with him, Bill or Hillary. Yeah, I don't know. These people. Yeah. Uh yep. Yeah, so now we have like all the aging baby boomers all listening to mm-hmm. the same music that they've listened to in the sixties, and I'm like, ah oh, yeah, this is uh what happens. Uh mm-hmm. Jumping Jack Flash uh gets us started, just as in Give Me Shelter. Uh I do not like the sound of this version of Jumping Jack Flash at all. Uh-huh. Um and then I wrote a note here. Hey, R.J., what's the best live musical performance you've ever seen?
1: Me? Yeah. Uh, Best concert, maybe like Pearl Jam, but best for me uh, was when I saw Modest Mouse. Okay. I, I guess because they're my fave. Yeah. And they played in a really small venue, which was neat. Yeah. So anyways.
0: Yeah. Uh, I... S- I think you already said it earlier. Yeah, Nick Cave from the Bad Seeds. when I saw The mm. in Edmonton. Uh It was a pretty awesome concert. Hey RJ, mm-hmm. what's the worst musical performance you've seen live?
1: Ooh, fuck. Uh, let me think about that for a second. You you say yours and then I'll say yeah. mine. So I think uh, like I'm not I'm not gonna include like being seeing a bad act at a bar because. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. That don't no, count. Nothing. But um, we're talking main yeah. headliners here. I think
0: speaking for my uh, friend Lawrence and uh, Patreon mm-hmm. of the show, uh, he'd probably say meatloaf that he oh. saw a few years ago, saying yeah, it was I heard. real sad and bad. Uh, but mm-hmm. I'd have to say, because I've seen very little, uh, seeing Bob Dylan live was uh, quite the you disappointment. Know what?
1: I've heard a lot of people say that, uh, the show he did here in creepsville yep. sounded like he was old mm-hmm. and sad and everyone just felt like he should go to bed. And it was just like, you shouldn't be out here. Old man. He, I mean, you know, and it was just God bless the
0: guy. Yeah. like uh, he's still out there old as fuck, but yeah, mm-hmm. it's just like the band all like, seemed, it was all very professional, but I was mm-hmm. super underwhelmed considering like I hold Bob Dylan in a pretty high regard. like, at least again like in his like classic period uh, 60s sure. through the 70s and stuff like that uh, mm-hmm. so like I, I I was like, oh my God Bob Dylan playing Creepsville? I have to go and I did and I was kind of uh-huh. like and it's one of those things that like I think most people would be like, oh yeah those are really good and then you're like no it, buyers remorse or not remorse it, it, but it wasn't yeah it wasn't very good it's hard to say that but you're like, well you know it time times they are a change <laughs>
1: Mm-hmm. Well, it's like you bought it. You have to rationalize it. Exactly. So, uh, yeah. so what's your worst? I think there's probably a worse one than this, but this is the only one I can think of. Uh, when I was in Colorado for Homecoming, we saw Academy Award winning band, Three Six Mafia, who won for their song Hard Out There for a Pimp from uh, what was that? Hustle and Flow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we saw uh, they were uh, they did a show. And that was the one I was talking about earlier, is they have some songs, but they can't sing any of their songs because it's other rappers. So they all sang about like 40 seconds of each one of their songs. And then they would end by going, yeah, and the music would just stop. And you'd be like, wait a minute, where's the rest of the song? And then they would start a new song, sing about 40 seconds, and then they'd go, yeah, yeah. And then they'd stop, and it was just like, "What is going on?" So that one was pretty bad. Okay. <laughs> that one was pretty bad because, well, it's just because you couldn't hear. It. That's what I mean. Like that was the problem with it. Is it like you can't even play a full song, can you? Yeah. And that's uh, a. Bar. Yeah. <laughs> uh,
0: so my note here. Uh, well, you know, to be honest, watching concert films for any band is like watching inferior versions of songs you've heard better played. And you can listen mm-hmm. to them anytime you want on iTunes. So sure. being forced to watch a video of a performance where it's like you're not there live. And it's like, mm-hmm. it's very all fancily shot by Marty here. But it is, yeah, I uh, I fast forward the fuck out of this <laughs> shine a light. Uh, mm-hmm. I was like, then I'd see like, oh, it's Jack White. Oh, it's Christina Aguilera. Oh, it's some other people. I don't know who they are. I'd um, rather
1: watch their concert than this one. No,
0: I wouldn't watch <laughs> any of them because it's a music. You wouldn't it's watch like a Jack. Well, okay. No, I wouldn't. I no. I I like. I don't like concert films. Um. So I mean, like, Give Me Shelter, is like jumps across that. I guess because it's like it document. It's a document of like the moment as well that it's mm-hmm. existing. And there's like, I don't know how interesting it would be to like film a, uh, direct cinema style, uh, white stripes, like <laughs> Jack white, uh, concert mm-hmm. or a fucking Christine Aguilera
1: concert. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, yeah, would, I've, I've seen a few of these live concert footage ones, little Pearl jam, little Bowie, you know, the huge. Mm. And if you, if you like, I don't know if you like the band enough, you can throw them on. What it's good for is like, if you're hosting, and you just throw it on in the background because it's plain. But I don't unless you're real into the band, man. There's no
0: reason to watch a oh, concert. W- oh, without a doubt, my uh, my dad he still watches that fucking Eagles uh, concert DVD the the fuck out of that. Your dad um, sounds old. Oh yeah, he, he's into the Eagles, man. Yeah, and uh, Fleetwood Mac. <laughs> no. Nice. Who isn't in the Fleetwood Mac? That's true. Um, so yeah. Uh, not a not a recommend on that Shine a Light. I'd, I'd no. have to actually say that it's probably my least favorite Martin Scorsese film, and I'd probably also put The Last Waltz in there too, because that's the that's mm-hmm. like that's like a concert thing about the band, and um, um, I, I'm pretty yeah. ind- I'm pretty indifferent toward the band as well.
1: So I it's, like the band more than the Stones. Yeah, there's... But continue.
0: No. The, the, name, what are some band songs off the top of my head? I can't really think of any. So Rolling Stones win. Um, I also watched, uh, for the shits and giggles, uh, uh-huh. Sympathy for the Devil, a.k.a. 1 Plus 1, directed by Jean-Luc Godard. Oh, Criterion so, alum. Uh, yes. Uh, so this came out in 68. And... Uh, I have no idea which cut I watched because apparently there's a producer's cut and a Godard cut. And mm-hmm. I don't know if it really would matter too much. Uh, so this is after Jean-Luc Godard got real political and shit and mm-hmm. really got into like Maoism and uh, like real red communist stuff while like also making these like Godard films. But like, I don't know. So the a good ha- half of this is just footage of him recording mm-hmm. the Rolling Stones In studio, and it's like a real 60s style studio, of them like figuring out Sympathy for the Devil, their like iconic song. And uh, it's just them Mm -hmm. noodling, noodling around, figuring out how this song is going to work. And like settling finally on the samba sound of Sympathy for the Devil. RJ, I don't think you would like Sympathy for the Devil very much. Uh, it Uh. It is art house. Uh, oh God! It, it's like I don't. I don't even really like care for this period of Godard. Um, you have mm-hmm. to be real into this to be get anything out of it. The footage of the stones is good. Like yeah. it's just like it's just like very hypnotic and boring. But like his his use of color is so nice. But like so mm-hmm. inter, intercut with this footage is like this backdrop of like black panthers reading like communist manifesto and Marxist like theory and malice stuff. And it's just, like, really well shot, but it's like, okay,
1: all right. It sounds horrible.
0: <laughs> yeah, it, yeah. Uh, wow, I'm it, glad I didn't watch that fucking oh, thing. Man. Uh, I, man. You know what, though? I think it's way more interesting than Shine a Light, because uh, yeah. I actually watched it in its entirety, and I did not with Shine a Light, because it's, like, mm-hmm. it's a concert it's film. concert. Who cares? It's like, yep. like I said, I mean... I, I do like the Rolling Stones, but I'm, it's not like I'm gonna die on the hill defending them or be like convincing you like you gotta listen to this deep cut to be really convinced that this is like the greatest yeah. band. I I have like their like iconic albums like, but I have a lot of like bands iconic albums. So I mean like they're real they're good, but I don't listen to them all that often. Um, they're fine. Yeah, they're like oh they're they're good. They're they're a great act, but like I don't yeah. have to be. They're not my favorite. That's like what I'll say. Like yeah, I, I acknowledge. Yeah, no, they're like they're cool and. I get it, but yeah, I'm not gonna be talking about busting up my 40 licks and Ugh. talking about it endlessly. And like, I think their best period was the 80s, actually.
1: <laughs> yeah, I don't want to hang out with anyone who talks about that stuff.
0: Well, they're they're boomers. Your dad might be a real Rolling Stone no. fan. No, no,
1: no, he likes the Beach Boys. So there you go. Which, uh, you know, people don't give them enough credit. They were uh, come on. they were a hip, hip band, man. Brian Wilson was on to something. Come on.
0: They don't get enough credit.
1: They're, they they got pl- well, plenty. Well, no, what I meant is plenty. they have uh, misplaced credit.
0: They're not all about surfer dude yeah. stuff. That's when they got real bad. That's when that's all they became. Cause they, well, yeah, but cause they didn't want called, to. They're called the Beach Boys. I guess that's that was yeah. their first mistake. It's
1: because Brian Wilson's dad like put a stranglehold on the fucking... Uh, the band and then like hit him on the head a bunch. And then he was held hostage by a psychologist for like 20 years or whatever. All pilled up. Yeah. Up. 400 pounds in his bed. Just
0: <laughs> anyway. Good times. Good times. Uh, so uh, who hates Gimme Shelter? Joseph Trushen does. He gave it <laughs> half a star. I was made to watch this a couple of weeks ago, and now, after a lot of deliberation, like a juror, uh, apparently, uh, I can confirm that this is the worst film I have ever seen. No. I hate hate this film. Wait, let's not call it film, because that gives it some credibility about having a plot, story, or purpose. In fact, the only purpose it has is that it shows how sucky people are. The moral of Gimme Shelter is to say, never do anything nice for anyone because they are just going to exploit it and be idiots. If I could imagine the worst place in history ever, it would be the concert shown in Gimme Shelter. The music sucks. The people in it suck. It makes you feel dirty and grimy watching it. It is an insult to all documentarians everywhere. This is excrement put on screen, and it makes me never want to listen wow. to the Rolling Stones ever again. This piece of trash will make you lose faith in humanity. It sucks. I feel like this is a troll review. It is the only yeah. It is the half-star review for the film, but it's, I don't think anyone like commented or anything, so no one bid on this, so uh, we're giving it more exposure mm. than it deserves, but what have you.
1: Yeah, um, yeah, there's yeah. That really... guy's a little too hard on it. So,
0: L- Lise gives this one star. My rating should prove that I'm not a huge Stones fan. Never have been, but I am a fan of film, and I know how to distinguish between decent filmmaking and something else. I just imagine this person writing this with like a mm-hmm. decanter of wine, as they're like sw- swishing it back and forth. <laughs> Except in this <laughs> case, it seems. Having the camera on the members of the band while they do this or that or the other thing with zero engagement is nothing other than a seriously boring. It's the modern equivalent of listening to someone go on and on about a film in a two-hour podcast. (laughs) Tell me why I am supposed to care about one person's opinion for two hours or backstage home video of a band. I didn't watch it all. I stopped after one hour because I could not be bothered with the rest. Maybe something amazing happened in the next hour that warrants five stars or four stars or more than one star. I most certainly didn't see it. I don't see how documentary, maybe more like reality TV before it became a thing, could warrant such fandom. Uh But it does. It's not like I'm being insensitive to the fans. I'm a huge fan what? of Prince and Harmonium. <laughs> oh, shut up. What? If it turns Harmonium. out someone had followed them around to the camera, I'd be all in and would adore the result, I'm sure. Five stars no matter what. Four <laughs> stars Maybe. So, if you are a fan of the Stones, give her. If you are a fan of the history of documenting modern musicians, this is for you, I think. But if you have just a mild interest in the Stones, and an even more mild interest in music videos, give this one a pass. Best music doc ever? Yeah, this gal says, bullshit. Or if this is the best, then as Peggy Lee asked, is that all there is?
1: Peggy Lee. Okay, you know what I think is kind of funny, Jared? Yo. Yo. I like how they're like, who gives a shit what some fucking loser says on a two hour podcast or this or a two hour documentary? It's like, you know, who gives a shit what you write in your fucking review that no one will ever read on Letterboxd, except even bigger losers like us. Yeah. <laughs> we're, we're giving them exposure. <laughs> yeah. Who's the who's the real loser here, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. God, great. These people look too much into this shit. This fucking documentary about a band made in the 60s. Like, I don't really like the Rolling Stones that much, but I'm not mad about it. I'm not like, oh, this movie fucking sucks. It's the worst, it's the worst use of my time. And as an
0: as a appreciator of film in all its forms, yeah. this is not making the cut.
1: Yeah, I like music and I like movies. But I I don't care about this, but I'm not mad about it either. So, Mm -hmm. grow up is what I would like to say to those people.
0: Nerds, right? Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Well, RJ, uh, in the time that this podcast was recorded, uh, four people had babies out in the field behind my house. Uh, And there's been at least four deaths. One man was stabbed, Uh, the other one OD'd, someone cut themselves up real bad. Um, So I think it's time we fly away in that helicopter.
1: Fucking beam me up, Mick.
3: (laughs) If I could stick my hand in my heart, spill it all over the stage. Wouldn't slide on by you? Would you think the boy is strange? Ain't it strange? If I could win, if I could sing a love song so divine, would it be enough for your cheating heart? If I broke down and cried, if I cried, I said I know it's only rock and roll, but I like it. I know it's only rock and roll, but. She would meet her connection at her feet was a foolish man You can't always get what you want You can't always get what you want You can't always get what you want But if you try sometimes you might
2: find get what you need
3: She's spoken to down to me
0: But change has come She's under my thumb uh, So RJ, do uh, you want to borrow Some of my Rolling Stones CDs?
1: Yeah, I mean if you want me to throw them In the river <laughs> I don't care, I don't dislike them I just, who cares
0: Man, There's like one song It was like, I think it was off the 40 Licks uh, Album uh, Back in the like early 2000s It's like Don't stop, baby. Don't stop. Yeah,
1: that fuck that song sucks. Forty licks, more like four dicks. Ooh, sick
2: burn.
0: Sick burn. Um, yeah. And then like, even in this doc, like Mick Taylor's in it, and like he just like stopped playing with them and just went off into the sunset and didn't do anything interesting. And he like he does nothing in this documentary, which is fitting, I guess. Mm-hmm. and hey uh, folks you can always email us at criteriaincapes at gmail.com sure. uh, you can tell us about like how great these Rolling Stones are or aren't um, <laughs> we got a Facebook page Not. too and we're on Instagram and we're on Letterboxd we got a Patreon page um, we're on SoundCloud Stitcher, iTunes, Google Play all that and hey more music coming our way next Ooh. week Spine number 100. Woo,
1: that's a milestone, baby. Yeah.
0: Uh, Episode 84, Spine Mm -hmm. number 100. The Beastie Boys video anthology, which was released in 2000 and was probably the first Criterion I ever bought, or like really Hmm. early on, because it was like cheap to get. And uh, I liked those Beastie Boys music videos. Um, I like me, them beastie boys. Yeah. Well, uh, in, in a week, we're going to find out how RJ feels about the Beastie Boys. And uh, it'll be mm-hmm. it'll be an interesting thing, since there's no real movie to watch. Uh, They'll just be like watching music videos. So that mm-hmm. like, should be easy, right? Right? I don't know. Uh, we're we're going to find out. It'll be interesting to talk about. Find a way to talk about it. And who knows? Maybe there'll even be a surprise for next episode what
1: good night folks wait what are you what are you doing